What's up, everyone? Uh, this week on the pod, we are doing a Revelation Records Super 7. So we are building playlists from our favorite Revelation Records. A uh, bunch of stuff I want to get here in on the intro, though. Uh, first off, want to acknowledge the passing of Wade from Iron Age. And uh, that's very sad. You know, Texas Hardcore has taken a couple heavy losses recently. And, and our thoughts go out to, you know, all his friends and family and and everyone grieving and uh Kim Possible who's who helps us out on the pod sometimes I think she wrote something really good on her Instagram just saying you know don't it's okay to grieve for people that you don't know directly and hardcore is a community and you know maybe if you don't know someone directly they are you know they're one friend removed maybe two friends removed at the most so lots of people out there are hurting and this year has been uh, a rough year for a lot of people for various reasons. So I think it's, uh, it's important to call your friends, tell them you love them, call your family, tell them you love them and try to be empathetic to people, um, that are going through various struggles and try to be supportive of everyone. It's, uh, you know, I don't know to, if it, to say it's harder to be kind, but, uh, it's, it's more important right now to be kind you know, don't fall into bad habits of, of judging people because everyone's going through a lot of stuff. So RIP to Wade, that's a big loss. And uh, Iron Age was an awesome band. Uh, also want to say that last Friday, the Change LP came out. And uh, Posse Chris has been on the pod a lot, including this episode. But uh, I got Aram here to uh, just talk the record briefly. Aram, you know, you, you did such a a good job this year of, like, teasing people, like, dropping track, track. How hard was it to, like, hold the thing back and wait for the thing to come out? Uh, it wasn't hard because we didn't have any artwork, so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about this LP um, and where it lands, like, in your discography? Uh, it's... I feel really good about it. I, I feel hands down. It's the best thing I've been a part of musically for sure. That rules. Okay. So everyone needs to yeah. go out and get the change LP and Aram, tell them where they can get it and, uh, and any info about it. Yeah. Um, so it's a 13 song, uh, LP. Uh, we're a straight edge band and we're straight edge band with a vegetarian message. And that means like everyone in the band straight edge, but you know, not everyone's vegetarian. And I, I think about stuff like vegetarian and vegan, it, veganism, it's like, it's an important conversation. And I don't want to, I don't want to turn people off. I want someone to be in the band to feel like they can be in the band, even if they're not vegetarian, because I think it's too important a thing to, to build walls up around and, uh, you know, create barriers. Um, and I, I think it's a record for everyone. If you like hardcore, uh, if you like punk, if you like, you know, like first, second uh, wave hardcore. But you also like other stuff as well, like you know thrash and reggae and pop music. I think you'll dig it. It it draws from a lot of uh, a lot of inspirations. Um, so you can pick it up at React. So you'd be getting it directly from us, or you can get it at Rev, and then of course any of your local record stores. And uh, super like really appreciate everyone's support, including yours, Zach. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I I listened to the whole thing on Friday. I love it. I think it's a a great record, and and I like that you're. You're talking about the vegetarianism. Same thing, uh, you know, retaliate. I'm actually the only vegetarian. But uh, 
I was able to finally write a song on it this year. And, and I kind of felt weird about it as well because the, my band isn't. So it's something that I talked to them about. I was like, you know, we don't do, we don't put out that much music. So, and this is really important for me to finally like write the song. I'd never written a song about that before. And so, uh, mm. I just, I talked to him. I was like, you know, I would like to feel like I'd make a difference with you guys before I put this message out to the world. So, uh, I got him committed to meet free Mondays and, uh, I think that's fair. So it's just important. You know, yeah. it's, it's such an easy thing to do, um, especially nowadays, to not eat meat. <laughs> you know, like 24 years ago when I started being vegetarian, it was it was much harder. And now it's just so yeah. easy. And, and Go ahead. No, no, please. Sorry. I cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. Jump in. Well, dude, I like, okay. This is exactly what you just said there and what you're doing with Retaliate. Like, first of all, that's cool of those guys, too. Like, cool of people in the band. Like, I understand why people get defensive about it. And it's like, you know, when you're young and, like, people, well, okay, I don't want to say. When I was young, I like to be, like, I like to feel like I was, like, very, like, kind of, like, morally properly proper guy, right? And so it's, like, things like straight edge or vegetarian or veganism works for me. And you get older and you realize life's more complex than that where I got older and realized life was more complex than that. Cause I don't think all young people fall into that trap, but like, as I got a bit older, I just, you know what, man, people are just, I just want people to feel they can have a conversation with me and that if they reduce their mediating, Hey, that's something, you know, that's awesome. That's good. And if they want to go vegetarian, that's great. If they want to try being vegan. That's great. Like I'd rather be someone that encourages them. And for me, like when I joined, I used to play, um, kind of I was in the first step for like the last few years of the band and they were known as like a vegetarian straight edge band but when I joined the band I wasn't vegetarian I had largely given up being vegetarian for about three years and when I was touring with champion all over the place and um, when I rejoined the band I'll never forget what Aaron said like he was he said you know it's cool that you joined the band because I'd rather have someone that like we can help inspire and think about it rather than someone who feels like, you know, it's a barrier to them being in the band. And I'll tell you, like I went vegetarian again as a result of being around those guys. And then that led me to veganism. So I think that's the coolest thing you can do is just like, be cool about it, be vocal about it, but be cool about it. Cause why not open those doors? Yeah. I don't think that you want to shame anyone because then people just shut down. The easiest way to do it is just lead by example. And I don't mean like, think you're more righteous than anyone more. So just show people like how easy it is, you know, like I'm a big old fatty. I'm not starving, you know, like this is pretty easy to me and I've done it for a long time. So, you know, people open your mind a little bit. If it's something that you, uh, you know, you haven't done or you've thought about maybe embrace meat free Mondays, you know, and it's just about reducing uh, the amount of meat that we're consuming as a population. And also like people that are, you know, that care about climate change, I think that you can't address that with like peeling back that last layer of the onion, which is like, we have to really actually address like the meat consumption anyway. Um, so yeah, get that change LP. And then also a fun thing. If you're listening right now, still, uh, Fred Hammer just put out, he re-released, uh, some aggression demos on an LP called SSL silver strand local. And, uh, yeah, the first two people that email me at 185milesouth.com and let me know which band is the best, 
you're going to get a free aggression LP. So uh, email me, 185milesouth.com. You let me know what band is the best, and you're getting that aggression LP from Fred Hammer, the man, Silver Strand Beach. And uh, yeah, Aram, thanks for helping me out on this intro. Yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. All right, let's get on with the pod. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we're going to do another Super Seven, and this time we're going to build out Revelation Records playlists. Uh, joining me, you know him, you love him, is Daniel Sant of Over My Dead Body. What's up, Daniel? What's going on? Yeah. Also, we got him back. It's Posse Chris from Champion and Change. Howdy. And you know him. He's the dude living in the present tense. He's Bedge, a.k.a. Ben Edge. What's going on, dude? What up? I'm going to try to reference a Fields of Fire song every time. I know. You're good. You're good. I like that. Present tense is one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, you know, I was looking Thanks. at the I was looking at the Fields of Fire discography today, and I don't think I have the final seven inch. So I'm gonna have to save up. Uh, all my, I'm gonna have to save up all my change, and once I have two dollars, I'm gonna order that thing. Um, but you <laughs> you had you had vinyl come out after. Okay, so there's the first seven inch, which is fucking awesome. The CD, which like is basically like second seven inch worth of material, and then the the first seven inch on it together, right? And that's the one you got Correct. skate punks on. And then you do another right. then you do another piece of vinyl. And as you're like doing that record, don't you just want to put skate punks on it, dude? You know, so you can have it on vinyl. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up that that song never made it to vinyl, no? It it yeah. did make it to it did make it to vinyl. It's well, on one of those um it's on one of the Element Records comps, like one of those skate punk comps uh that Eric from Element put out. Uh, I forget what it's called, like the third volume. Oh, I only have the first two. Well, another thing onto my yeah. want list, huh? There you go. Fuck, yeah, but you yeah. that CD should really get pressed on vinyl. Yeah. I mean, you could fit everything we ever recorded on the one LP. If we were ever going to do anything again like that, it would be everything. I, I mean, it would make the most That's sense, but do. not going to happen. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. If someone wanted to do it, I I, I would let them do it, do it but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Well, we've got the CEO of Camel Clutch Records right here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to do a record again. Um, all right. The sprinklers are going on outside my pad, so I'm going to go close all my windows. Daniel, can you please give the what the Super 7 is and what the rules are kind of, and also you can say the order that we're going to go in, and I'll be back in one minute. Okay. All right. Well, a Super 7 list here on, on 185 is we go in like a fantasy football-style draft, where the person who drew pick one gets to pick it, and then that song is gone. And then the goal is at the end of the, it, after everyone's picked their seven, there'll be four lists of seven, and then you, the listener, get to vote on whose list you think was the best um, or you enjoyed the most. So uh, we go in order. 
Chris will be picking first. I will be picking second. Uh, ben will be picking third, and Zach fourth. Yeah, Nord uh, Curse boy. <laughs> yep. And um, we are going to pick anything that has been on the Revelation Records catalog. It has a catalog number, so um, it may be a controversial point, but some people might want to take things that were previously on other labels that have been repressed on Rev, or some people might want to keep it pure and just go with what they regard as Rev. But there's a funny gray area there, isn't there? Because there's, you know, you think of things that have been reissued on Rev for so many years that it feels like it's a Rev record instead of like a Wishing Well record or whatnot, you know? So there is some nice gray area in there as well. So, but anything that has a Rev catalog number is okay to choose. Right. Like if you want to choose a Beyond song, you can, even though... I think you should get shamed like that. Uh, it came out, it got, it got re-released so late that like, I don't really consider it rev, you know, even though it's fucking sick that rev put that out. Cause like, yeah, that's a record that should always be available. Cause that beyond LP is fucking awesome. And that beyond uh, LP was supposed to be a schism seven inch. Whoa. Uh, apparently. And then something happened. Some schism happened. <laughs> but yeah, something like break down the walls, like it got re-released on rev, like within a couple years. Like I consider yeah. that like a revelation release or even like, uh, ignite. Even we're not in this alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, did that not get reissued on rev until 98, 97, 97. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a weird, that's a weird rev. one. It's been on rev for 25 years. <laughs> that's almost. True. That's true. But still that's one, like, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what you guys think about that stuff. Agreed. Um, agreed. We'll okay. see it. Okay, so let's kick it off with number one. Who's going? Christoph. All right, sir. That's me. Um, with the number one pick in this draft, I'm going to choose from Revelation Records number 19. Uh, I'm going to pick Burning Fight from Inside Ooh. Out. Yeah. Uh, Everyone had it, my right? Little- Yep, he's already busted my bracket. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, what a sick song. I think, uh, you know, start to finish, like the feedback just to kick off the record, you know, just the way that the feedback comes in is so like, it doesn't really sound like other feedback. Like it's its its own thing. It's really cool. And then it does start to do that, those hi-hat rolls and then the palm muted, you know, build into the black. Uh, with Zach's kind of patented uh, scream yell that would earn millions of dollars years later. We'll just refer to him as a oh. Zach too. Yeah. Right. It's also, it also has that Barracuda part, that galloping mm-hmm. uh, heart, heart Barracuda section. Yeah. And it just has one of the best ad libs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What if that wasn't a lib? It could add that down, down, down on the lyric sheet. I will yeah. eat my hat. <laughs> there is no lyric sheet, right? Or maybe there is. Yeah, there is. There's no. Um, it doesn't tell you who plays on the record, right? No lineup. I don't know. <laughs> I I think there. <laughs> ben Ben doesn't need a lyric sheet. He's just there to slam. 
<laughs> so this song, I think it's it's kind of a weird song to pick uh, as a number one overall because it, it doesn't go fast at all, which is, you know, kind of a, a mainstay of hardcore music. Like the whole song is mid-tempo, kind of driving, optimal for those sing-alongs. Uh, and then it goes into those choruses, which are like almost like a half breakdown where it gets, you know, a little bit harder in the I will never choose a different path part. But it's just an awesome song. Like if you see a band play this live, you're going off, you know, like the room's going to explode. It's a great song. So that's my number one. Love it. Love it. Let's go. Uh, who's got number two? I do. All right, Daniel, which uh, side by side song do you want? Backfire. In your face. Yeah. I mean, similar to what Chris was saying about just an iconic, like, song formula that isn't typical of, you know, what we think of hardcore formulas being quite typical. I feel uh, this, you know, crazy palm muting and, and the up and down feel of it going into uh, you know the build up vocally and then it's all oh, that and then it kind of explodes into like a, a stomp you know all oh, that, that like it's just oh so good and I mean Jules best voice ever you know yeah classic classic opening track and and like you said, there's this this song kind of is kind of like how Chris said, you know, it's it's another one that's classic, but it doesn't go fast, you know. But they, yeah, and people don't really ape it, you know. Yeah, well, they hit with so many different tempo changes; it's pretty wild. Like uh, we were just talking the other day about Instead, and uh, that song "Live and Let Live" has like a million different tempos in it too. You know, this is, but this is like the ultimate opening track, like. The whole thing is just like a giant intro sing-along, you know? Like Yeah, and if you think about the way his vocals on on other songs as well punctuate the stop-start parts of the thing, like, and your face, like, it's perfect. And then um, it even has the line, and it's still my number one pick because it's so perfect, but it even has the line, because ganging up on guys is a fucking trend. Well, and yeah, if you, yeah, and one of the most classic lines of all time, right? The "You're the disease, and we're the yeah. cure." You yeah. Know? One day, yeah, today cure for sure. Yeah, dude. hey, uh, Dan, did Dan, you know who that is on the cover of that seven inch? LL Cool J. Yeah, and um, my friend Shauna Kenny um, writes for LL Cool J's website, as do I. Rockthebells.com. And she, yep. she called it to his attention that she's like, there's this band side by side and they have you on the cover. And he's like, Oh no. Like, and that happened just this year. So uh, as of 2020, LL Cool J is conscious that he is on the cover of the side by side seven inch. Yeah. 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 It's all the poses from the radio 12 inch. <laughs> it's all sick until Jordan, right. until Jordan gets that cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Got to get a hoodie. <laughs> yeah man alright number three Bedge what's up you know if you want to switch places with me I'm more than willing to go last because no, my strategy is my strategy is to pick bands that none of you guys are picking like 
I want I want as many bands talked about in this as possible. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to pick Gorilla Biscuits because I know someone's going to pick Gorilla Biscuits. Even though if it was just me, I would pick Gorilla. But if if it was literally it was just me saying what are the best seven best songs on Rev? Of course, GB would be on my list, but I'm not going. I'm not doing that. Well, I don't know if so you want to go. It's an interesting strategy because uh, the listener gets to vote on who has the best list. Oh, they're not going to pick my list. It doesn't matter. I just want to talk might. about shit no one talks about. <laughs> I don't yeah, think, but you might be. I don't think you're being true to the exercise, dude. We might have to cut you here and call someone else. <laughs> because you're you're supposed to be choosing the seven best Rev songs. And us fighting over them is half of the battle. You know, like you're supposed to use a strategy but, here. But I, like, I, I'm not I, like, I OK, do. side by side is not going to be one of it. It would be in my top seven. I'm taking a side by side song. But I'm going to pick one real early because, like, I got to battle you guys for it. You know, I think all four of us are taking one. But uh, maybe that's right. not true. Maybe that's not true. Um, but anyway. Well, everything everything I pick is stuff I really love. So it's not like, um, you know, picking, like, B-list B stuff. It, you know, well, in my mind, B-list stuff. But yeah, whatever. Well, what I think is interesting is that you are going um, in the true... I love this label, so let me try and I don't know. It's an yeah. it's an interesting strategy. Let's roll with it. All right. There's just so much shit on Rev I Love, like like multiple generations of bands of that like like it's kind of like this same story arc as Discord, where you have like the first four years is straight up hardcore, and then it starts getting weird, kind of in the middle. Like that same thing happens with Rev, but you know, advanced six or seven years into the future because they started, you know, much later than Rev uh, Discord did. But so I'm picking, I'm going to be picking a lot of stuff from that, that second era where it's like the next band, all these guys are in like the, like the ex band members of such and such. So I'm going to go with my first pick will be uh, the song fueling by statue. Are you guys familiar with this band? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, Started by Alex and Chris from Chain of Strength. Mm -hmm. uh, while Chain of Strength was still around, um, they were called Something to Say. They made a demo. Then they kind of had a little lineup shift. They recorded Filter the Infection, which is a four song 12 inch, which I think I want to say was recorded quite a bit before it actually came out. I think it might have been recorded in 91. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it came out in 93. And it's kind of like this weird like post hardcore almost almost bugazi ish record but it's still like obviously made by people who are is like you know straight edge hardcore or at least involved in that in that style of songwriting so fueling is like it's a it's like a leftover from the something to say demo they re-recorded it and made it sound better and it's done at west beach studios which was where um most of the epitaph stuff was done at the time so it's a real clean sounding recording but it's really powerful and it has really great lyrics um i always think of like they're singing about hardcore music in general um but i don't i don't actually know what he's singing about it's pretty vague but he's like regardless of my weaknesses it never lets me down and it's got all these great stops like i love songs that have you know like complete dead stop and then the music all comes back in at once. Or there's like a drum thing that comes that brings the song back in. It's just like this really powerful music. And they never did a follow up after this, uh, 
after this record. That's it for them. So that's my pick. Nice. All right, I'm going to uh, burn Godhead. Uh, this is the apex of hardcore. It might be the greatest song in the history of Earth. Um, it's like uh, everything led to this, you know, like the progression of hardcore from like short bursts of energy to like people doodling off in directions a little bit. And like burned is perfectly hones it all in on the seven inch and especially on this song, like the drumming is so tight and sounds so good. You know, Chaka has got that like snarl that keeps it like firmly rooted in hardcore. But then like you have these like real introspective lyrics that are like poetic, but you can still like understand what he's going for. He's like being poetic, but he's getting across a point. It's not like poetry for the sake of poetry, you know? Um, I fucking love it. The part in the middle, like the breakdown part when it's like goes to the clean channel guitar and then like goes to the part with like the bass getting wild is fucking insane. And then like coming back in, like the hear me part, you know, like just getting all aggressive again out of nowhere. It's a perfect song. It's uh, I think we talked before that I think this is like, as far as hardcore can progress while having it's like feet firmly rooted in like the original sound. Um, obviously hardcore can be anything, you know, now. And, uh, but like to be rooted in like the original shit, I think this is about as far as it goes, like before you lose me or, uh, or you're making a jump and like really creating your own path. Um, but yeah, burn Godhead off the, uh, <laughs> who plays that song Bedge? let's keep it that way um ah. but uh okay that's what i got on that and uh let's go back around to chris is number one i believe yeah great pick that song uh it gives me chills just thinking about it yeah, all right until, uh, Bedge, until Bedge just ruined <laughs> it forever Fuck. Yeah, Zach. I have a question though, because you've talked about this before, and I, I really like your theory. But then, what do you, you? You're a huge like Twenty Five to Life fan, and a lot of that kind of music. Like, what would you consider that? Is that still within the no, the, that, the boundaries of hardcore, or is that that's off well, into something else? Yeah, I mean, not not sonically anymore, right? It's okay. Like, what son- do you consider it though? What do you call it? Sonically, it's like more rooted into like metal, probably. You know it it yeah. comes it comes more out of metal. Although lyrically and like the vibe and, and what they're putting out there, that's fucking hardcore. Like, and that's, that's, sure. that's hardcore turning into some different and opening it up. I don't love it any less. I just think it's, it's not sonically rooted in the original, like intent. No, it's, it's post agnostic front going metal, you know? Sure. And right. That. Sure. It's influenced by that, you know? But this burn but is interesting. burn is also post that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, but it, I guess I don't want to get too too off the rails of Rev here, but it's interesting that uh, you know, while Twenty Five to Life was rooted in metal, it was a lot more old school and traditional than a lot of stuff that was coming out at the time. Yeah. Well, they opened up their sound a bit, like when they, I don't know, the the early stuff is pretty like metally and slow, like they don't have any fast shit. Um, and it's all heavy. 
you know, once later on when they do like, uh, oh my God, what's the song where it begins and like make it work. Like that stuff is like, you know, rooted in original hardcore, but I don't know. I, this is just my opinion. I can be totally wrong. Of course. Daniel, what were you trying to say? I was saying that their sound is an, is directly influenced by metallic agnostic front, but not everything, you know, like someone said, well, what about burn? I'm like, well, not everything bounced off of that metallic agnostic front afterwards. I'm just saying the, the root of the 25 to life sound. I mean, he sings like a revved up Roger and everything, you know? Yeah. I I think you're, you're absolutely right on that. I say the burn thing. Um, but I'm say, I was just saying that came after AF, but I think, you know, burn is not necessarily like rooted out of AF going like more crossover. Oh yeah, definitely not. I burn is more influenced by the rest of the rev catalog. I would say than, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, or discord catalog or whatever than, than the AF right. per se. Chris, let's go with your uh, second pick. All right, Ben, you got your trumpet ready. We're taking the opening track from Rev 12, New Direction by Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah. It had to go early. That's another one. Yeah, it had to go early. It's another one, too, that, like, right out of the gates, you know what it is. Like, it doesn't, you know, the trumpets and the da da da. You know, you have chills by that point already. Um, You know, even before he starts, what do you mean? It's time. This is uh, this is one of the best love songs to hardcore ever written. Like, you know, it, it's it's not about anything but hardcore stage diving, going to shows, like that vibe and um, it's sick. The breakdown, it's awesome. The melodies, love it. Yeah, it's a perfect song. It's a it's a diss on 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 someone. I, I want to say seven seconds, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Isn't it? It's supposed. It's like someone who like stopped playing hardcore music, like a band that stopped playing hardcore and kind of turned its backs on its old fans. I know it's directed at someone. Yeah, I mean, it would. It, that would that would be a decent guess. I think it's crazy because like they do this and Ten Yard Fight gets them like what eight years later. Right. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat how they they turn it on them. Yeah. So. Maybe everyone that writes a song like this, like, should get it. <laughs> you know, like eight years later, like, fuck, now it's me. <laughs> now, it's me. <laughs> right. now it's me who stands aside. But uh, write a song against Wrench. Yeah, I'm sure Wrench still keeps it real. Is is Wrench still into hardcore? Does anyone know? All right. Well, hey, Wrench, send me an email. 185 miles south. Let me know you're still into hardcore. There he is. Because I believe in you, even if Bedge doesn't. But uh. Yeah. I believe in you too, Reg. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, New Direction, dude. Perfect song. And like, you know, if you were going to give a record to someone who has never like heard the genre, this is like the perfect entry in. And I don't mean that as like an insult because it's also one of the greatest records, but it is like such a a welcoming record that whatever style of music you come from, I think you're going to enjoy it. And like, you're not going to get turned off by the lyrics. If anything, like, you're going to get turned on by the lyrics because like they're, I don't know. They're saying something, but they're not judgmental. I don't know. They're really good, obviously. And then musically, 
you know, it's fast, it's aggressive, but it's still like just enough melody that you can enjoy it. Fucking perfect. Yeah, the lyrics like totally fit the vibe of just like the spirit of the song, which is like, you know, the vibe of running across the stage and flying off of it and landing on people. And it's, it's sick. Yeah. Ed, you got anything on this? This is my favorite record on Revelation. This was my favorite album and my favorite band for many years. And then Minor Threat kind of surpassed them. But Minor Threat technically never had an LP. So this is still probably my favorite LP ever. Are you going to choose a GB? I'll, I'll wait and find out. Um, I would just say you're not being true to yourself if you don't choose a GB song then. Uh, Daniel, what do you got on this? I mean, it's absolutely perfect, isn't it? Like, the, their, um, like you say, just slow down. <laughs> like, everything about it is perfect. Like, it is the sentiment that if you love hardcore, you get everything that's being put forward in that. And then the introduction of it leading the album with the horns. They just they went from having an iconic hardcore record to having the iconic hardcore record by doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and of course, following the horn is a da da da, which is like equally yeah. as iconic as anything. You know? Yeah, and the, yeah, it's just really. I mean, I gotta give it. It seems like Walter is basically the creative driving force of all things GB um, at the time. And he's he bats a thousand, you know. He doesn't have any clunkers. Agreed. Uh, do you, Dan, you're familiar with that um, quicksand song that reuses lyrics from this song. He says, "I was so sincere. I see more clearly now." You know, I think it's on the second quicksand album. Yeah, it's on Manic Compression. Yeah. Do you think that, like him, by him singing his own lyrics again in a different context? it changes the meanings, the meaning of the lyrics. Like I always think about that, like here he is in 89 writing these words about like, I was so sincere thinking that other bands, you know, were going to stay true to hardcore, but now I see more clearly that they're in it for the money or whatever. And now here he is in a band on a major label playing rock music. And he's all, and he's looking back on himself in Gorilla Biscuits saying, I was so sincere when I was this hardcore kid, but now I see more clearly. I don't I think know. It, I think it's more answering a lot of the the people that threw that song in his face for doing quicksand. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like I don't think he's looking back and saying, "Well, I was, you know, had my head in the air and I didn't know better." I just think he's saying, "You know, I actually see you can still be sincere and do all of this." as well you know Mm -hmm. um but you know i do i do remember when quicksand were doing it i mean when they signed to a major label like and were coming around like there was a lot of shit talking on that you know right like if you watch that jawbreaker documentary it just shows like like people don't even think of it nowadays unless they're you know like real deep punk they they don't even think that you know someone putting out your music is that much of a problem because it's 
weirdly like everything's accessible it's streaming everywhere but back then either you had to be sold at a punk record store or you really didn't get anywhere but if you're on a major label you were everywhere and it was a problem within the scene it was like well you're accessing this thing but you still want to be part of this community it doesn't work that way right so I'm sure that lyric was in answer to being called out. Okay. Personally, that's my opinion. And Daniel, you can continue with your number two pick. All right. Well, for my number two, I'll try and keep my cool, but you better understand. (laughs) Fed up, judge. Yeah. What a song. Uh, what a fucking angry, amazing song. And I say this on almost every other pod, but if you're straight edge and you hear something like this, God, your backbone becomes adamantium and titanium. Like, it just really fires you up that, you know, there's a bit of almost like just fighting back. Yes, a great record on Schism, dude. Yeah, I was going to say our first reissue of the night. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, well, I mean, I could have gone for something off of bringing it down, but I just, this is my judge song, you know? So, like, I, I mean, it, I have to, I have to do it. I have to take this. So, I've already muddied the waters. I know. I like that you broke the seal, dude. Now it's now yeah. it's wide open. It's open season. Yeah, you know. So yeah, this, and just, this I'm, just, just I'm also just thinking of a list of seven songs like that. I just want to go to my grave with, you know, that have all been touched by this label. So my seven songs are just going to be the ones that just mean it, you know. Yeah, dare I say this is the angriest Judge song? It is. That's why I really, you know, you better fucking understand. Like, I'm on the edge of just losing it on you. Yeah, it's you awesome. Know, it's so sick. Chris, you were going to say and something? And I love like the... This? Oh, maybe What's not. That? Nope, whoever was talking, whoever loves the... And, oh, I say I, I love the the story arc of Judge. Like the beginning of it is just is just Mike and Porcel playing every instrument themselves. You know, this seven inch is just those two guys. Yeah, I think I think Mike, well, Mike on drums and vocals, Porcel on guitar and bass, and like they they came off this tour in Youth of Today, and they're getting picked on for being straight edge and being like uh, kind of the black sheep of you know, the larger punk scene and, and, um, they're just like, Oh, these, these people, you know, think we're judgmental assholes. We're going to give them, we're going to give them what they want. Like we're going to throw it in their face, like tenfold. So it's, it's super angry record. And then, you know, it starts to get more introspective on the LP, but, but I love this seven inch. Yeah. It's, it's really perfect. He's quoted as saying, you know, like, Seeing Ray every 
night try and go into another scene and be really positive and and express a thing and just be met with like you know fuck straight edge like instantly every night because back then you know that's all you know about people is what you've heard down the you know the hardcore version of telephone so that's the one defining thing and if you're not straight edge you think everyone who's straight edge is judging you so you instantly go on the you know Ella, sit down, will you? Um, you instantly go on the attack. And so he had a tour's worth as a roadie and a tour's worth as a drummer to be like, that's it. I'm fucking angry. Let's do this. He should write an autobiography. I think it would yeah. be fascinating. He says he's lived a fascinating life. He was in a motorcycle gang and like they... Try, and some other motorcycle gang tried to kill him. I've heard an interview with him. It's just crazy stories. I mean, I'm I'm totally convinced they're all you know accurate. There's no he has no reason to make shit up. But it's just like it's one guy lived this this crazy life. So they did that little documentary. I think it was Vice that put it out. And yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I I think it's I don't know. Some people you'd, it's better like the mystery. You know, like, what is he doing? Like, is he working on a tugboat? What's going on? You know, like, I don't know. Because they were just... The mystery's always better, but if it's out there, then may as well enjoy the full story now. Yeah. I agree. The mystery is always so much, so fun, though. Like, I remember, like, the the mystery around him and Jules were, like, some of the biggest. And I remember reading it from Zine once uh, from, like, New Jersey or something. That someone had like a jewel sighting where they like met him somewhere and sold him a bunch of magic cards and it turned out it was jewels. Yeah. <laughs> like a parking like a parking lot magic card that's, transaction. That's so magic cool. the gathering. Yeah. No. So that's sick. Uh that makes him hard as fuck. Yeah, dude. Okay. Don't, don't let him unleash that trample trample card on you. <laughs> okay. Bedge, let's go with your number two. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm lying on my back in the front yard of a suburban home, not my own home. My next pick is Running Into Walls by Into Another. Um, into Another was this band that had ex-members of this speed metal band called Whiplash. The bass player was in that band. And then Whoa, Drew from Bolt. Yeah, you know Whiplash? Yeah, um, their LP is like one of my favorite Speedman LPs ever. Wow, yeah, so Tony Bono, the bass player of Into Another, who passed away uh, in 2002, had came from Whiplash, and then you have Drew from uh, Bold and Youth of Today on drums, and then you have Richie from in, um, Underdog. Uh, Underdog, yeah, he was also in Youth of Today, but yeah, he was a singer of Underdog on vocals. And he's just this incredible singer. And then they get this guy, Peter Moses, to play guitar for them. This guy had never been in a band before Into Another and had never been in a band since Into Another. And he's just this incredible, like, impossibly gifted guitarist. Like, like on the level of any, like, legit heavy metal shredder you can think of. And, like, they made this really, really strange music that was kind of, it was impossible to put into a box. and they got fans from the hardcore scene being that they have the, the 
Revelation connection and they're on Revelation. They made the jump to a major label later on and, and it didn't work out. I mean, it didn't work out for most of these bands. Um, but, uh, so you have like people who normally listen to like, you know, four chord, hardcore music with breakdowns who are the kind of the only people who know that this band ever existed. And they're just so strange and unique and, and like, they're almost like a prog rock band, especially this song. This song has like, there's like 13 parts in this song. Someone was like, I hate into another because the first song on this, this album is Ignorus. And he's like, the first song on this album has like four guitar solos. And I'm like, is that true? And I listen to it again. I'm like, God, there's four guitar solos in this, in this song. It's just like breaks every rule. And, um, and it's, and it's so, and like lyrically so deep, this band, I can't, you know, I can't say enough things about them and how, and how great they are. And like, I totally understand like half the kids or more than half the kids who listen to them were like, what the fuck is this? This is bullshit because it's like, it really has nothing uh, in common with, you know, the hardcore bands these guys came from musically. I mean, it's, it's obviously the singer of underdog singing. I mean, that's, he has an unmistakable voice, but you know, if, if you listen to, if your favorite band is youth of today, I completely understand that you don't get into another. Yeah. The way I think about into another is into another is the hardcore musical version of avocado, right? Avocado is very polarizing. Either you absolutely love avocado or you hate it. And I feel into another is that there's no one who will, who's like, Oh yeah. Into another's cool. That almost everyone is like, got a, crazy star tattoo on their elbow or they hate into another <laughs> you know what i mean totally yep you're right yeah there's like i knew a guy this guy used to go always go to shows had four into another tattoos four <laughs> one for each solo totally one for each solo and running in the walls dan you beat me on that one that, that's so that's so funny you like honing in on the lyrics knowing this guy was in whiplash because I had to pull up the lyrics. So the first song is called Stage Dive. And uh, I only knew the chorus lyrics, the thrash to kill, blood will spill, which is epic on its own. But check out this second yeah. verse. Now that you've met your match and nothing will suffice, airborne offering thrashing sacrifice, stealing the show, <laughs> eyes of the crowd focus on activity, 40 feet high moment of fame going down in history. Begin the flight, splitting the smoke, a swan dive into the sky, tumbling down, head over heels, listening to cracking bones cry. So sick. Dude, wow. it's their new direction. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to say that. Yep, yep, yep. And then you got to go new back direction. to thrash to kill. Blood will spill. Fucking sick. So Wait, it, it sounds sounds more like a rewrite of, um, of uh, It's the Th- Lights by Metallica. Or Thrash Zone. Right, that's no. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, anyone other didn't have songs about stage diving? I'm sorry. Yeah, but Whiplash did, dude. So we get a shout out to both. It's pretty sick. Although it, although into another did have two songs in a row on the same album about ghost pirates. That's that's pretty bold of them. No pun intended. That's sick. And I'm out. Um, 
fuck it. You give me an idea. I'm going to take it because uh, I want it. I love the song Talk is Cheap. I think I got fucking reamed on here before for loving Bold and the song so much. I think someone said it's not even top 50, but I'm taking it number two. Bold, Talk is Cheap. <laughs> so sick, dude. Um, it's a perfect hardcore song. And the LP is, I enjoy the whole thing. I'm not saying it's one of the greatest hardcore LPs ever. But I am saying this fucking song, one of the greatest hardcore songs ever. Um, you know, like that fucking sick ass intro goes blazing fast, has like a catchy ass chorus. Like, you know, if you're a hardcore band and you get to like get a sick ass phrase like that before anyone did, it's like it's yours. It's on lockdown. No one else can do a talk is cheap chorus now. Like they got it first. It's theirs, you know, and it's so fucking sick. The breakdown, you know, no scene on it. The drum fills on it are classic. And then like, so he does the drum fill on like the first, then like the hi-hat thing. He like cuts down like the kick drum beat. You know, it's just everything in the song is like the simplicity and awesomeness of it, like just rings through. And I love it. I'm taking bold talk is cheap as my number two pick. That's what's up. And, uh, sounds best when you have it on the gatefold you know when you got the gatefold copy that you can read the lyrics on but uh daniel is this your number 51 pick <laughs> i mean bold aren't going to be on my list but i love i do love the record and i do love the uh way it looks i mean that's a youthful looking record you know it's laid out awesomely and like you say, the gatefold is sweet. Yeah. I would have gone next to the X if I'm going on on the fold selfie. Yeah, I, I could have predicted, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's mine. Let's go back to Chris for his number three. I mean, I'm not a huge bold fan, but I love that song. Like that's if I had to pick a bold song, like that's the one. And uh, I will add, you know, if we were doing a shirt. Uh, Super Seven Rev shirts or even hardcore shirts in general, like that's the first round draft pick band. Oh yeah, logo is epic. It's very bold. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get a little bit weird here. Rev Seven, New York hardcore, the way it is, and Rev One Sixty Three. Don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets. I'm picking one of the best Unity songs ever written. You the motherfucker. song is so good. You motherfucker. It's got two solos. Ben kind of Ben kind of blew up my my intro for this with his four solos, but two solos in a straight up hardcore song. I'm taking it as one, and I'm running. Uh, I should have taken Talk Is Cheap third. It was. You just wanted to give Bold like more glory. And you screwed yourself. I just wasn't going to take a different bold song, and I wanted that one really bad. But I wanted as one really fucking bad. God damn it! That was my number three. Is it the same record? Is it the same recording, or is it two different recordings on the album versus the comp? Do you know? Yeah, it's different. Different. Okay. So which one? Well, you got to take this one. It's an original Rev release. Rev Seven, right? Yeah. Go on, Chris. Sorry. Honestly, I don't even know the difference between them, <laughs> the sound. But what a song. I mean, like, 
rabies voice is it's got so much character it's it's unreal like you know he's definitely got his style but just like he, he does it with an attitude that's so like it's his you know um i think i also think it's sick that uh you know between the two songs it has the think for yourself now or and then yeah. the with the united we stand divided we call it's uh it's timeless it's a perfect hardcore song again i mean fuck god damn it chris okay <laughs> who wrote it does anyone know who wrote it i know uh i think um todd youth wrote a lot of songs for Warzone. might have been him anyway it was me it was you who wrote it okay yeah, I love it. It's the ultimate unity song. Chris is right on that. Um, fucking perfect, you know. Um, I live just the it's the it's the other it's the flip side of the coin of crucified. Like almost everybody in the entire venue is going to be up on stage during as one. It's pretty awesome, you know. Sure. Yeah, and it's, um, it's a song that, like, you know, people didn't have to, like, do their homework on. Like, you can, like, learn the song off the first chorus and sing along to the second chorus, you know? <laughs> it's Which is, like, great. Like, hardcore can do that. It's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's a knock. I think that's the fucking magic of the music. Like, the people that do it the best are the people that can, like, keep it simple but still have, like, the creativity in there that is not cheesy. And this is, like, the perfect fucking example. Like, this song is fucking awesome. And it's kind of like one of those songs where, I don't know, I'm kind of, you know, people can like whatever they want in hardcore and still like hardcore, but it's kind of one of those defining songs. You know, it's like, if you don't like As One, like, I don't know if you like the style of music, you know? It's like, I don't know, it's kind of a blueprint song. You know, like, do you like filler? Do you like As One? Okay, you like hardcore. <laughs> it's that simple dude come on but uh yeah anyway okay chris perfect pick uh solid steel and uh let's go to daniel for your number three all right we're gonna stay with rabies voice but he's saying yo sucker you got a big mouth Bit up, yeah big mouth gorilla biscuits from the GB 7-inch, absolutely perfect fucking hardcore song. Yep. Breakdown on it. I'm chef, chef's kissing like a motherfucker over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I um, I love the, the vocal delivery of Siv and the voice crack. You know, shut the fuck up now! <laughs> like, Everything about it is just so perfect. Such a moment in time that will live on forever. Um, and you got a big, a big fucking mouth. Go, like the riff there is amazing. I mean, this song is incredible. And I'm, I'm taking it now so no one else can have it. And the rabies intro, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some like we got to get Ray on the record somehow. You know. It's, fucking cool so sick and fast right hand on that riff you know some serious oh. skills going on yeah 
yeah. I mean, what do you guys think of this song? Badge, let's go to you. Base, the bass line on the um, the chorus. You know, I mean, I can't think of anything before this that really does that. I mean, it, there's something, it's almost like borderline, like hip hoppy, but not quite. Like, it's not corny, but it's like very New York. Like, you wouldn't hear a band from California do that on, on, a, on, a, on the chorus of a song. It's it, it kind of stands alone, even within the Gorilla Biscuits discography. Like they don't have any other songs that sound like this either. It is very yo. The song is very yoey. Like yeah. very, you know, like like you say, late eighties New York, um, and also including the Ray uh, intro. You know, like everything about it is kind of like. Yeah, like you say, hip hop is a is kind of an influence on it. It's it's awesome. It's so good. And that fucking record cover with the gorilla with the champion sweatshirt standing oh. on the corner of St. Mark's and what's the other street? Not I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. it's cool. <laughs> that, I mean, if we're talking iconic, like it doesn't get any more iconic than that. Chris, what do you think about the song? And you I think it's a cool song. It's fun. It's, it's not one of my favorite girl, Gorilla Biscuits song. I'm sorry. I think I'd, there's about a dozen or so I'd take over it. But um, but oh. that's really just a testament to how good, how many good songs they have. You know, to be quite frank. Shots fired. Well, I take <laughs> I take every song on Start Today except for Start Today over it. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take everything except for the song Start Today over it. I'll take this. I over, probably would too. Take this over the song Start Today though. But okay. So you hate start today. Don't hate it. Finish what you started and hold your. Don't hate it. I'd rank it probably number 20. And I love all the GB songs. So it's still there. It's still GB. It's still fucking great. But uh, it's a testament to how many good songs they have. Yeah. Agreed. Walter. Um, yeah. Every, every GB song is good. Every minor threat song is good. Every use of today song is good. There are not that many bands who made like, you know, more than two dozen songs that you could say that about where like every song's good. Slut is not good. Well, that's your opinion, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, and Ben, uh, continue on with your uh, number three. My number three, it's a, it's another sunny day in sunny Southern California. And my third pick is page by far side. This is off their 1994 album rigged. Uh, Farside is another one of these bands that is, I'd consider like a second generation rev band. We're, we're well into the nineties now. And it's like, you've got Kevin Murphy, who was the drummer of head first and the guitarist for four one one who's on guitar here. Popeye who was in this band borderline, a conversion band called borderline. I mean, they were not very significant, but, um, legendary spinach either as well. Yeah, that's true. Michael Vogel sang, but it, they're like a rock band and it took me a long time to get into them. It's just, they were another band like into another where I'm like, how does this have anything? To, why is this even on a hardcore label? And, and, and then it hit me like, this is really good music. And, and then the thing about far side is you have Kevin Murphy writing a lot of the songs and singing a lot of the songs. And you have Popeye who's, the main guy who's writing and singing too. It's almost like the Beatles, the way like McCartney would sing his own songs and 
uh, Lennon would sing his, or like Husker Du, how you had like Grant Hart and Bob Mould like singing their own respective songs. And, and like, I don't know, there's, they're another one of those bands that like, they never found a wide audience that like outside of the hardcore scene who, you know, they kind of should have found, uh, not that they were really, you know, trying their best. I think they turned down a lot of major label offers, but, but this song is really good. It's like, um, God, it's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's like a kind of like a slower rock song about, uh, you know, heartbreak and, um, um, I don't know. It's a great song. Has anybody ever seen Farside in this group other than myself? Am I the only one? No, I, I saw them. Yeah. What do you think of them? I, I never was uh, a big Farside fan. And the okay. Farside was going, you know, I was really, really into very hard, hardcore, you know, pretty much. Um, which is funny because I was like super into Britpop and stuff like that. But if it came to my independent punk stuff, I wanted it to be crazy that, at the time, you know. Daniel was right. listening to either Destroy the Machines or Punk and Droblik exclusively. <laughs> or Urban Hymns. Yeah, there you go. Farside, uh, there's some Farside songs that I love. Like, I can't hang with all of them. And and listening to a record, like one of the records, is, you know, listening to one of their albums, like I'll skip through a lot. But like, they have some songs that I absolutely love. Like, uh, um, I Hope That You're Unhappy is like one of the best bitter breakup songs like that there are, that has ever been written, in my opinion. Totally. That, and, then, and that last album, The Monroe Doctrine, it's, it's like all over the map style wise, but it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it works. I don't know why, like, like it shouldn't work because it's, you know, there's a death metal song on the album. There's fucking, you know, acoustic songs on the album. Like it, it doesn't make sense on paper, but it, it's totally like, I don't know. They're just putting it all out there. Um, I would also say like into another, they're a band that has like a cult, like they don't have a fan base. They have a cult base, like people that like them, love them. Yeah. Like, I'm, they're their favorite band. I'm definitely part of the uh, the far side cult as well as the into another cult. Now, Badge, I got to say, there's three things I love about you. Number one, skate punks. Number two, you always do your homework. Number three, I can let you go, and I know you're going to talk long enough for me to be able to go and make a cocktail. Um, <laughs> so, my my number three pick, I'm going back to the last album that uh, Chris had referenced in that in the steal from me. And uh, I am taking Breakdown Sick People. It's one of the greatest hardcore songs ever. One of the best demos ever. And uh, it appears here on a Revelation record. Kicking, grabbing, fighting to get out. My only release is when I get smashed. So fucking good. Hitting like the... I don't know if those rhythms had been like really hit that much before. You know, like, and it kind of creates the whole style of, like, it's like a whole different genre of, like, New York hardcore. But it's so catchy. Like, I don't know, and the voice is so fucking mean without him doing a voice. Like, 
that's his voice. He's just yelling, you know, like, but he's not like doing a voice. And this song is so fucking perfect, catchy. And like, I don't know, those rhythms, like you're bouncing. And these lyrics are sick as fuck. The song is Sick People by Breakdown. And it was on New York Hardcore the way it is. Um, Rev 7 is my pick. And uh, Daniel, you like Breakdown? It's so funny. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, it's so funny how Breakdown kind of lay in a dormant state in the amount of people that liked them until like uh, around the hardware era started celebrating, like bringing back like absolute love for breakdown. Um, and that like era of NYHC and then was followed on by, you know, all of the, Greg calls it demo core. So it got a second resurgence of everyone <laughs> wanting to sound like breakdown demo. Like mm. in the twenty twelves or something, you know? Yeah. Um, especially the new wave of British hardcore kind of like sounding like that as well. Um so it, it it's funny that for a for a long time before you know, you could actually get their records and stuff and like streaming and whatnot. Back in the day, like this was the only breakdown <laughs> songs that I had. For a long time, you know, until things started becoming because you know they they only had that record press in a small amount at the time, and you know, yeah, well, yeah. to me, they and they're on the other. They part. weren't the star. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say to me they weren't the star of the way it is back when I was getting into it because obviously I was. Absolutely loving GB, YOT, and Side by Side at the time more than anything. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, with you saying that there was limited stuff available, like the other New York hardcore comp, the Where the Wild Things Are, they were on that as well, yeah. and those songs were always yeah. available. But yeah, that's but that, but that comp wasn't as prevalent out there as the way it is back in the my form form formative years of of hardcore, you know. Yeah, it wasn't on red. Yeah, exactly. It was blackout number it didn't one? Didn't come and... in a cardboard. Didn't come in a cardboard sleeve and a CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's like the ancestor. It, the song is like the ancestor of the, that whole style from the New Breed comp and the Where the Wild Things Are comp, right? Like this is like the, the and you could say the ancestor of like beatdown style, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. you can trace it all back to this. Well, Terra did what three breakdown covers in their first show, and Terra kind of like exploded beat down everywhere, you know. And uh, if you think about it, like this is, would you all agree that this is metallic to some degree? That there's a metal component to this style of music. Yeah, it's the neighbor to crossover, but it's not crossover, right? And so New York, you have multiple strains of metal influenced hardcore because you have agnostic agnostic front doing that cause for alarm album you have chromags doing age of quarrel and best wishes which is like motorhead ish and then you have these guys who are doing like a totally different thing and leeway leeway so you have like the, the faster more like speed metal sounding kind of hardcore and yeah. then you have and then you have this like you know thugged out metallic hardcore all coming out of new york at the same time kind of 
and you have killing time coming right around the corner as well. Yeah, and I would put that more in in this family tree for the, the like the the um, breakdown family tree. Yeah, the emphasis on hard in hardcore, you know. Right, right. Chris, let's go to you to your number four. All right, I was gonna um, sit on this one for a minute because there were two songs I couldn't um, decide between, and Zach took Godhead, so I'm gonna go back to Rev Twenty Two, uh, the Burn Seven Inch, and I'm gonna take Shall Be Judged. Yeah. Um, I believe it's referred to as shall be jugged. Chris is <laughs> going. <laughs> Chris is staying rev, but he's going second. Second. <laughs> he's going second press. Second press. Second press. <laughs> uh, this song's awesome. Like I'm not even vegetarian. This song makes me think about it. Like maybe more than any other song. Like the lyrics are so cool. Um, I mean, right from the start, you have that drum roll to kick it off, and like every time I hear that drum roll, I just picture like picture burn coming on stage i picture that drum roll coming and i just picture chaka just sprinting from the stage and flying into the crowd like that drum roll is like the embodiment of like that that imagery and and i i just it makes me want to stage dive um zach talked about it a little bit earlier but like their their influences are so wild like there's jazz influences and and the the vocal phrasing i think is is something that's interesting here like chaka's attack and his cadence is so so interesting like there's it's it's truly one of a kind like no one sings like he does and if someone does sing like he does it's them you know biting his style uh it's just so abrasive like in this song specifically like the line where he says the partaker has partaken like it, it's not like he's spitting while he sings and it's so cool um and then the last thing i'll touch on the song like the the breakdown is so hard like coming out of have we molded our yeah it's like like the slight variation of like how the beat changes so it like actually turns into a beat it's like it's such a caveman stomp too yeah yeah, yeah. It's like for mosh parts, like it's kind of like the the original like kill mosh, you know. Like it's like there's not like a super easy beat to follow to like dance to. So it's like uh, just smash someone, fuck it. And there's two distinct breakdowns. There's another breakdown at the end of the song that's not as hard, but it's completely unrelated musically. I mean the 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 rhythm is completely different. You know what I'm talking about? The yeah. Towards the end of the song. Yeah. It's like, let's, let's write a song with two breakdowns that aren't anything like each other. Like what other song does that? I don't know. There might be some, but it's pretty interesting. It's so good. Um, and you touched on like the, the lyric patterns, Chris, and like the way he was singing. I mean, this, the only, do the kind of like follow the style would be the singer of Bane, right? And he's not really like I don't think he's biting it, but it's like you can like draw like the direct influence like to the way mm-hmm. he sings. Maybe more so like yeah, that second a- burn seven inch. Like when you when that one finally came out because it was recorded like back when, but it came out like once I was already into hardcore and like listening to it and then like listening to Bane, it's like oh. 
they had this one, <laughs> you know, like they, they had a tape of this, like, and you can draw like some direct influences, but I mean, Bane's one of the greatest bands of all time. Right. Like, and they drew influence off one of the greatest bands of all time. Like they were one of the only bands talented enough to be able to like pull it off and do it justice. And burn is really molded in the, it's to me based on absolution. I mean, it's the same guitarist, but the vocal style is pretty similar. Like I'm not, I mean, maybe Chaka's, I don't even know. Maybe Chaka is better. I, I, I haven't decided which one I like more, but they, they, they have similar vocal styles and, and uh, absolution does have pretty interesting breakdowns as well. Are you guys absolution fans? You ever hear that seven inch? Oh yeah. yeah. A couple of tracks of like dead and gone yeah. and uh, dead and gone. What's the other one? Never in another hit. Yes. Yeah, those, those two, two songs I love. And then yeah. the rest of it's good, but like those two songs in my opinion are just like so head, you know, agreed. Higher than totally. One other thing on this burn seven inch, the, the cover is so cool and it's so simple. Like it's, it, what is it? It's like a, a photograph of a pixelated TV, which, you know, if, if, if someone described that to you, you'd say that sounds horrible. Like if someone in your band brought that to you and they're like, yo, let's put this on the cover of our record. Wait, you want to take a photograph <laughs> of an old tube TV yeah. and put it on our record cover? You are high as a kite. <laughs> uh, but it looks so cool and it's so iconic. Yeah. And, and you could almost argue like the back cover is even cooler. You know, with that, mm-hmm. with that, yeah, for with sure. that picture is like, so creepy. Yeah, super cool. Just the feeling of this record is is sick. Um, absolutely love it. Daniel, let's go for your number four. <clears throat> Did we lose Daniel? No, no, I'm here. I'm just mulling over which I'm going for next. The dramatic pause. The, mull- yep. the mulling is the best radio ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's... It- it invites the uh, the listener into a full <laughs> mold. <laughs> um, it's the best one you can no. hear Daniel's papers ruffling as he's going through his notes. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, it, it, we're we're at that level right now. Um, we need like a breaking news. <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> he needs to use a he needs to use a scroll instead. That way, we won't have to hear I'm like him go. shuffling them. Just an unravel. <laughs> I'm going to go. No, I'm, I'm going to show up at the top of a mountain with two tablets <laughs> of my seven songs on them. And the rick- chiseled into them. And you can shout to them uh, through a Ricola horn. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I'm going with Sick of It All, It's Clobbering Time, Slash Just Lies. Yeah. I. I don't think there's an intro. I mean, I, I know there's a million amazing intros, the leeway intro, all of this, but people may be jaded on what it's clobbering time is because, you know, it's been such a part of the canon for as long as everyone has been listening to hardcore almost um, from, from the time the seven inch came out. Anyway, um, I am going to just say it's a masterpiece. Like that, that is mosh music personified and perfected. And then the way he goes into Just Lies, he comes in with the, yeah, like it's perfect. It's, and 
the seven inch recording sound is not as the best, but it really encapsulates kind of what a I don't know if it's Don Fury or not, but kind of what the, those rooms in New York were putting out at the time, that sound, you know? Uh, I think it's fucking amazing, and I my life would be less having never heard It's Barbering Time. You know? Thoughts? Yeah, there's there's other intros, but there's only one in Clobbering Time. Uh, yeah. One thing that... I was uh, a couple years ago, I was reading through like an old zine that Ron Brotherhood did uh, back in the day. And, and he had a review of, of this record and, and it was kind of cool just reading it from the perspective of, of reading this person's, uh, you know, opinion and sharing like what it sounds like this, this new record that, you know, this new sound that they created and having never heard, I mean, can you imagine having never heard this before? And then, hearing it and just being feeling like you got run over by a tank like it was it was really cool just to kind of read his thoughts about it and and kind of put myself in that place of having never heard this sound previously and then you know hearing it and describing it and i just i just looked it up it's not don theory it's um recorded at legend studios in long island and engineered by bob vandermark Ah, oh, the old Vandermark. Uh, Bobby <laughs> shout V. Out, shout out, Bob. <laughs> shout out, Bob. Oh, he did a lot. Well, shout out, Noodles. Out. Shout out, Smelly. He yeah. did Outburst, too. Yeah. Someone got it in. Outburst 7-ish. Yeah, this is one of the greatest intros of all time. Everyone knows it. You know, this and the leeway, rise and fall. It's like, Jesus Christ. It wasn't until, uh, yeah. wasn't until Downpressor did their intro on the Creatures Split that someone uh, came back with a fury like that. But, uh, yeah, I love the pick. As a judge, as a judge, you can count it. It's two. It's two picks, though, right? Two songs. Yeah, it's always I mean, clob- it's clobbering time into something. So, I I think we'll, we'll allow it. Okay, the judges will allow it. Well, and also it is listed with the slash on a lot of uh, right. things, you know. And it's one of the the less egregious Daniel cheats. So we got to allow it. <laughs> Badge, let's go to you for your uh, number four. I'm going to do a song by um, Sensefield, uh, Found You, from their 1994 album, Killed for Less. Uh, this is a band from the Redondo Beach area of California. It's ex-members of, I think three of the five members were in Reason to Believe. And so... Um, it's definitely more rock and slow sounding than Reason to Believe, who was this really fast hardcore band that was equally melodic. Um, and then um, when this came out, I guess they ha- they put out a couple EPs before this that got compiled into a self titled thing that Rev uh, put out, you know, reissued properly. But this is their first album, and um, it's another one of those things where it's like. It doesn't. It doesn't really sound like what you would have heard on the radio in 1994, like mainstream, like karaoke, alternative rock type stuff, like 120 minutes. It, 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 there's something more to it than that, um, but it's really hard to kind of define. I, I think it's it's like John Bunch had this thing about him where he like exuded like pure love in a way that no one 
else that came out of hardcore did, except maybe, I guess you could say Kevin seconds at moments. Um, he was just this really great guy and he like, you know, he died tragically, which is, you know, a terrible thing. Uh, they did this great, uh, tribute, like giant, um, almost like a fest, uh, right after he died. And, and, and the headlining band was Sensefield and it was the guest vocalist coming on stage and doing Sensefield and reasonably songs. And, and it, and it was so good. And it was so, it was like, they did him justice, you know, they did this man, um, um, you know, they sent them off in, in the right way, but it, it, I can, another one of these bands where I can totally understand if you, you know, were listening to bold or, or sick of it all. And then you heard this, you heard this band, you'd be like, why am I, what is this? You know, I like the, like Rev has revelation has more bands that like took me, lots of listens to get into and then finally became like fanatical about than any other record label, maybe discord equal to discord. But like, I always think about in a streaming era, like you don't have the patience for that. But if you buy a, like a 14 or $15 CD, you, you've made an investment. Like you want to like the thing you bought because you just spent money on it. And like, you don't, that factor doesn't exist anymore. So it makes me wonder like, would some would some like sixteen year old kid in twenty twenty ever get into any any of these bands that take like a while like, to listen to to kind of get? That's a end rant. That's a crazy point about the uh, the digital era because like I do remember just like going into a record store and like buying cheap seven inches that looked hardcore. You know, it's like oh it's two bucks. It looks like a hardcore record, and then like not only maybe you don't even like a fucking song on the record, like you like a part but you're going to like listen to it over and over to like try to like it. And now it's just like the absolute opposite because everything is at like the tip of your fingers, you know? So like you, you almost have to dislike stuff like, Oh, I listened to something new. Uh, ain't got time for it. You know what I mean? It's like the exact opposite of before where it's like you buy something, you want to try to get your money's worth, even if you don't fucking like it. It's like, I'm going to try my best to like this fucking thing, you know? Yeah. Like if I bought Nostradamus or if Nostradamus had come out in the time of now, the amount of chances I would have given it. But when I bought it the first day it came out on, you know, CD and LP and listened to it like nonstop to be like, oh, no, it's still good. He's still good. You know, instead <laughs> of, but then it then it, you go through it. And then it becomes, well, I'm going to listen to these three songs on it over and over again. Yeah, I straight up starts to happen, you know? I straight up did that with a new Nas record yesterday. Yeah. Like I put it on, listened to a few songs, and I was like, nah, not feeling this. Yeah. Probably won't listen to it again. Yeah, and he's the ultimate guy who has, like, like, other than the first album, all his albums have, like, between one and three good songs on them. Oh, you're nah, so but- wrong. So I'd say like five and eight, five and eight. Five, okay. Five, well, five and 12. <laughs> what's in only has a couple that could even slightly be considered not good songs. Wait, which what's one not the all the love songs. Wait, wait, Daniel, say that again. I said it was written. It only has a couple that could be considered not good. Yeah. And also, know? also lost tapes is like yeah, near perfect. Yeah. You know, and, uh, Stillmatic, I think as well. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's... Filmatic f- is real return to form. That's I really a- like that last EP he did, too. Oh, I the hated Kanye that. One? I hated that I one. Yeah. Oh, I, I love it. it. I hated that one. But Life is Good has, like, a few songs I really, really like. Um, yeah, the um, the Car 54 or whatever it is on this new one. Uh, Blue Car... I, God, I can't remember that what it's good. called. It's a good track. That sounds really good. Yeah, he's always going to have some gems, but there are. I mean, that's that's four. I think that are are great, great. Um, Can he just do a record with DJ Premier and just make us all happy, please? Please, please, or retire, like you said, or just retire. I don't think he should retire. There's like he's too much of a genius. It's going to be interesting to see like how how dudes transition. You know, like they're around fifty. Like, what do you transition into? Um, well, what are you at sixty-five or seventy? You know that's right. going to be weird to see. Well, that's why that first lost tapes is so like brilliant. There's like some kind of out there stuff on that record, but it's like perfect. You know, yeah, like that keep it original song. Like that gets fucking weird, you know. But it's like perfect Nas or the song you like, yeah. uh, Daniel. You like the the one about being in the womb a lot. Yeah, you know that one's wild. Yeah. So, um. Cool. I think it's back to me. Wait. Oh, someone yeah. want to say something? Yep. Okay. Oh, I was going to say, we started talking about Sensefield, and we ended up talking about Nas the entire time. But they, you know what? That's fine. I like Nas, too. Well, the one thing I will say about Sensefield is they laid a lot of the building blocks for bands that would be very big with that sound just a few years later. Like yeah. who? Well, I mean, Lifetime did it even more, but saying, like, Saves the Day and, and bands like that, bringing pop song sensibility, rock song sensibility into that scene, especially ex-members of core bands doing that sound as their next band. Right. I don't know if Sensible really gets name-checked the way Lifetime does, though. Because Lifetime's still, still a fast punk band, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and Saves the Day was. I feel like they were kind of around at the same. They were kind of around similar time frames, though, right? Yep. But a sense field really influences, like, a Texas is the reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, sense field, I saw them blow Texas is the reason off the stage at the Whiskey, and I guess it was probably around 1996. And it's funny that Texas Texas got a lot more popular, at least at, at least at that time. Well, antimatter was a good scene. Right. I saw Texas as the reason play San Diego. I was like down here one time. I think I was like 17 or something, maybe 16, 17. And like they were playing Soma with like some bands. Someone told me to go like, these bands are good and you got to go. It was the most boring fucking show I've ever been to in my life. It was Uh with Pedro the Lion. It was with uh, another, that Man Will Surrender band. Are they a rev band too? Uh, they had someone from like Chain, no. I think. Yeah, Frosty. They were they weren't on Rev. They were on Revolution Records. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what we were doing this pod on. <laughs> yeah. But man. the weird thing about Texas is the reason is that is that I like their records. I like their songs a lot. And I've seen them play and they play the songs perfectly, but they're still boring. You know? Like there's something about their stage presence that completely detracts from 
them playing songs well that I like a lot. Like, I can't think of another band I, I feel that way about. The thing with Texas is the reason is if you already got the in-flight sampler, like, you got the best Texas is the reason song by a billion miles. And so I feel bad for everyone that got that sampler like myself and was like, oh, my God, this song is incredible. And then you get the record and you're like, oh, my God, no songs are as good as this one. Is that Back Into the Left? Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but... Uh, song I like. All right, I'm going to go my number four. I'm going to get a little out of bounds, too. I think I'm going to go Underdog Save to My Face uh, off the Demos record. It got re-released by Rev in 91. Uh, it's off the True Blue demo. And Like Sick People... It's like a a blueprint ass fucking song. It's like super like bouncy, like super funky, which is like it's a new rhythmic thing that like hadn't really been in hardcore yet. And then it like lets loose like fast, and it reminds me so much of like suicidal the way it goes from like one slower rhythm to just like blazing fast, you know. And so, like, to hit those two things together in a song and, like, catchy-ass thing, like, say it to my face, sick, like, blueprint hardcore shit, I don't know. It's epic. And I think that this is, like, you trace back the influences of, like, the the bigger, bouncier bands, like, uh, maybe, like, A Crown of Thorns is, like, very influenced by this. Um, maybe even, like, dare I say, like, a, a Trapped Under Ice. Like, you could, like, trace all the way back to, like, this that style um every every band i'm locking out yeah mental i was just gonna say yep dude i yes. saw them cover this song this song at bridge nine death wish fest it was awesome it was insane yeah. every band i'm locking out is this song and clobbering time <laughs> okay <laughs> i never followed i never <laughs> i never really followed that uh that like genre it was it, it gave off like super cool vibes and i'm not a cool chick Totally, I, agree. I would say that inst- take out it's clobbering time. If you're saying every band on locking out is this song and intro bust, yeah, which you, I think that's appropriate. Yeah, intro intro bust by Warzone. Warzone, okay. Cool. Maybe I should give that shit all a shot. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe oh, I'll love it. Do you- Zach, do you know the answer to this? Like, Underdog has a self-titled 7-inch from 86. Are those different than these songs? I mean, it's the same songs, but is it a different recording or is it the same recording? I think it's different. Like, this is the demos of that, right? And there's more songs on it. I think that that 7-inch is only a four-song 7-inch. And this demo, this, I think that the Rev thing is two demos, and it's, like, basically LP length. So I think it's different. But I, I couldn't tell you for sure. Um, right. But yeah, this is available on Spotify, so everyone's going to be able to check it out if you haven't heard it yet. Um, and or, he, says, uh, he says a naughty word in this, uh, in this song, right? Does he? Doesn't he say you're a, and then a, a, slur, a slur for uh, uh, gay people? Oh. Am I making that up? Uh, it's, it's right. It's in there? He says, you're a dickhead, you're a... Oops. Right. Should I choose a different song? Way to go. Way to go, Zach. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out combing the lyric sheets. God damn it. 
Should I choose a different song then? I don't want to promote that. That's oh, I don't care. Okay. Well, for the sake of classic, that, that was pretty woke. Yeah. Fuck. Well, that blows and takes some uh, some wind out of the sails of me loving the song though. But uh, yo, aside from that that word though, that is an awesome song. It's their best song by a mile, I think. Hey, if Posy Chris gives me permission to have it on my list, I'm keeping it. So uh, my oh, number right. four pick, underdog. It's a learning moment. Say it's it a learning face. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a little TW before you put the uh, the post up. The trigger. For real, it is actually a learning moment. Look where we came from, and look what's not allowed. Like, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's it's nice when uh, things move in the right direction, even if they move slowly, right? Yep. Yeah, and I didn't think about this until just now that Richie has a song in Into Another, I want to say the song Seamless. It's on the album Seamless. That's an anti-homophobia song. So didn't th- didn't even think about that till right now. All right. Which we all know he did anyway. Oh, and knowing it's that's about. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to Chris for his number five. All right, it's the fifth round, and I don't think anyone has chosen a Youth of Today song yet, which probably for the reason as me, there's so many good Youth of Today songs that you can just wait and wait and wait and maybe even get your best one. And if not, you know, how far behind is that second or third best one? But I really want this song, so I'm going to go off of uh, Rev 59, We're Not In This Alone, Reissue. Uh, originally on Caroline Records, Flame Still Burn. No, I'm going oh, to put it put it down. aside. Yeah, oh, that's right. the shit. All right. This song is all about the breakdown. Like it's a great song, but the breakdown makes it. No, I let me back up. It's a good song. The breakdown makes it a great song. Like from the moment where he says, "Fuck, I thought we were on the same fucking side." What the fuck? And then I know what I'm shooting for. I know how I felt. I don't got to fucking prove it to anybody. I proved it to myself. Like that is one of my favorite hardcore lines of all time. And yep, me too. It's so cool. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. it's so positive and like pissed off at the same time. Like how can you be so positive and so angry? It's like perfect. He walks that line so perfectly. You know, it's, got it. it's kind of like uh, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. It's got that dan, dicka, 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 dan, 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 you know, the breakdown a little bit. You, you hear that? Maybe yeah. I'm just, yeah. Oh, man. Everything on that record is amazing. Like, That's and put it aside, is amazing. Oh, I'm, but, I'm yeah. with Chris, though. Like, gradually over the last, like, 10 years, this has become my favorite song of theirs, or the song I feel like listening to the most. Uh, We're not in this alone, it's the best LP. It's the right? be- yep, best. It's yes. the best, but the two that I want are on Break Down the Walls. We're going to see if I can get them. If I can get one of them. I hope. I'm sure you will. Alright. I'm... I don't know. I, I don't... I don't think enough can be said about the way Ray sings on We're Not In This Alone. Like, it's an absolute perfection of a hardcore vocalist. You know? 
It's so yeah, it's so tuneful. It's energetic. It's it's just yeah. It and it and it's so well. Depending which mix you're listening to, but it is <laughs> perfectly riding above the music. You know. Yeah, his his vocals are one that took me a while to get into. Like you know, Ben and and basically everyone was saying earlier. Like when you buy a CD and. Um, you know, I bought Break Down the Walls and like a live CD that was on Lost and Found, and I really didn't like it for the longest time. And I, I still listen to it because I like the music, but I just didn't love the vocals. And then just like overnight, one day it clicked for me, and I put it on, and I went from not liking the vocals to thinking like they're the best vocals ever. Well, the vocals on Break Down the Walls compared to the vocals on this, it's like a wild caged animal on break down the wall <laughs> you know uh compared to like a bit more of a synthesized approach on on we're not in this alone you know what i mean mm-hmm. like uh break down the walls is it is intense to listen to because no one sounds like that it sounds like yeah. a panther yeah <laughs> i just remember in the late 90s like loving this stuff so much and you know liking the the revival stuff there was this style but all the singing, yeah. all the singing was so safe on that stuff. Like it was still catchy, and I loved it. But like in my head, I was just always thinking, like, could a band like Youth of Today ever be like that popular again? Because they sound so fucking crazy, you know? Like, yeah, ferocious. Yeah, it's just so gnarly and like out there. And it's like, yeah, people get turned off by the voice, and that's one of the reasons why. Like we've talked about it a million times on the pod, but like. I was not an early American Nightmare like fan, but like with the LP, the background music, I was just like, dude, I'm so glad this is that popular because his voice is so shredded and gnarly. It's like answering the question that I've had for like the last five years. Like, could something that sounds gnarly be like that popular again, like in this genre of music? You know, and it got answered. And now there's all sorts of like extreme stuff that's yeah. popular. And it's rad. I would say Gulch would probably be like a modern day equivalent. Yeah. And, and, and fuck talk about a band that deserves every like piece of accolades they're getting. Like, I mean, they're just something fucking special, you know, um, super rad. But yeah, I mean that late nineties stuff, I was just feeling like, man, this stuff is, you know, it's just a little, it's a little safe, you know, that's all. Those vocalists were, they were aping the Ray voice where he does the top. I thought we were on the same side, you know, they were aping that, not the wild animal, you know? Right. And also For like, sure. if you went full Ray, it would be like a little corny, like, okay, single oh, influence yeah. dude, you yeah. know? Cause even like, uh, committed. we all love, well, yes. Yeah. And committed got shit for it. Right. And like, even like people would, um, people, they say, were sick. Yeah, they were sick. I loved it. You know? But people in same with like Redemption Eighty Seven a little bit like people would think yeah that, like it sounded fight. too much like that. Well, tenure fight I don't think at all. That was like that's kind of like the kind of a safer vocal that I'm I'm referring to. He did a great job with like writing catchy stuff, but I don't think that his voice was like a like he would it would turn someone off. He it wasn't as ferocious. He had a little bit of a snarl, like a hint of it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. More, more jewels than Ray. Right. Yeah, that's 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 accurate. 
But for well, Eric, Redemption eighty seven for Eric Ozine, I asked him about that. I go, you're doing you're doing Ray Capo, right? And he goes, No, we're both doing Antidote. We're doing the Antidote seven inch. And I hadn't heard the Antidote seven inch at that point. And I was like, Oh, I got to hear that shit. And then I was like, That's where that voice comes from. It's true. It's true. And, yeah, and Redemption yeah. used to cover Antidote too. Yeah. Right. That's right. So. One more thing, uh, just on this record, like I, I, I don't think it can be undersold, like how important these reissues are and, and particularly were for that time. Like, you know, this is pre internet. This is pre, you know, the pre- only way you could, yeah, pre, pre everything. The only way you could get this record is if you were, if you had a lot of money and happened to be at the right place, like, you know, I remember the first time that I heard it was, uh, you know, like Breakdown the Walls was accessible because it was on Rev, but before these were reissued, like, you know, you were lucky if you even heard it. You know, I had a friend that had like a dub of a dub of a dub of a dub that sounded horrible, but we would blast it in his car and it was so gnarly. I think that's, yeah. that's yeah. a great thing to say. Like, I love when stuff is available. You know, that's why it's, it's so cool. Like, you know, some of the labels, well, B9 is doing a, they've like reissued a ton of stuff and also like indecision doing all the discographies and so forth. Fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, crazy. It's crazy too. Cause like there's bands that are, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, a step removed from the mainstream of hardcore. Like you today is one of the biggest straight edge bands this scene has ever seen. And for, you know, a good 15 years, like, you know, you couldn't even, you couldn't find their record anywhere. This one. You know, something. Yeah. 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 That's kind of crazy. And it was on a borderline major label too. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but yeah, the first time I ever heard this LP was a dub of a dub of a dub. You know, tape as well. And Break Down the Walls was very, you know, around. So, to hear this coming after hearing that, I was just like, wow. I like this so much better. <laughs> I heard that the original plan in 97 was to reissue everything on one you know, CD, or I guess it would be a double album, but like everything that they ever recorded fits comfortably on a CD. Yeah. And so I think maybe they thought, eh, well, if we reissue them all separately, then people will buy all of them. Yep, we will. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it worked. Perfect. And we did. And I'm glad exactly. they're still And we bought the reissue of the reissue <laughs> of the reissue. <laughs> yep. And I'm glad they're still in business, you know, because they put out Drain. So what's up? Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to Daniel for your number five. I am freaking out right now that I only have two picks left and I've got like 20 songs listed. You got three picks left. You have three, three picks left. Oh, okay. Thank God. But it doesn't really matter. I still have 20. I can't get in. Um, Okay. Sorry to mull. I I don't know if I want to be a dick and pick one more side-by-side song because I just think they're the best ever. But I'm not going to. I'm going to put my... I'm going to go Chain of Strength, Never Understand. All right. 
I think it's the best chain song by a mile. The bass, uh, the bass solo in the middle of it is so fucking good. Uh, if we're talking, we've talked about this before, a, a touch on other things, but um, Kurt's voice is unbelievable. Like, some of the best hardcore vocals ever. Some of the most urgent hardcore vocals that are just perfect. I mean, it's a shame that he's lost his fucking marbles in <laughs> nowadays, but, you know, um, I guess that's what happens when you sell out. Um, but, yeah, never understand. It's just unbelievable. What do you guys think? I think it's phenomenal. This is the one that goes. Yep, right. Solo. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's a Youth of Today song that does that on Breakdown the Walls. It goes. Yeah, one family, right? One family. I always think like, like, oh, it's like when you when you've heard that Youth of Today song so many times, you hear this and expect that it to go that way, and then it doesn't. It's cool. Because I guess they're influenced by the face a lot and uh, by like DC as much as like the who their contemporaries were, you know, Youth of Today type bands. Just, yeah. Uh, shit rules. What do you think? Never Understand by Chain of Strength or Never Understand by Jesus and Mary Chain? Dan, <laughs> what's your pick? I'm going Chain. Ooh. Like Jesus and Mary Chain it is so good, but what makes it so good is that there's that little tuneful part in just the cacophony of noise where the chain song all the way through. Amazing. Right. But it's close and it is a good question. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's my favorite. All right, Bedge, let's go to you for your number five. Number five, I'm going to go to the back to the East coast. Uh, I've been drinking all night and I've been thinking something just ain't right. Uh, super touch with the song engine. This is the first song off their only album. The earth is flat, which I believe was supposed to come out in 1990 and came out probably early 91. Um, super touch is another, they're kind of like, they might be the first hardcore band to just go full rock. You know, like by the time they do this album, there's not much hardcore left on the on their records on their songs. Post hardcore band, maybe. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess in this little scene, but there's you know there's people in the early '80s who are already the same kinda, dudes, the same dudes going for hardcore under the same moniker. Perhaps. But I mean, like what we think of as like a like that quicksand kind of yeah era of post-hardcore right this is showing their chops yeah um and I, like i didn't it's a real good question like okay so these are hardcore dudes who decided we're going to go more rock but what rock bands are they kind of what influences are they pulling from I, it's really hard to nail down like that's why i like this whole like early nine early to mid 90s era of rev it's like you have all these people 
who grew up in the hardcore scene doing rock, but the rock bands aren't like, it's not like I'm going to do a fake James addiction. I'm going to do a fake Alice in Chains. Like these bands stand on their own, you know, they're not like really aping anyone else's sound. But, but I thought it was funny. I was reading in one of those books, maybe it was the all ages book, or maybe it was the, the Tony Rettman book where, um, the first, so this is the very first song on the album. And the very first lyric is I've been drinking all night. And one of those guys, like maybe Mark, the singer was saying how bummed, like they did this on purpose because they knew all these straight edge kids would be bummed. <laughs> and I was totally one of those kids. Like I bought this, put this shit in the CD player. And I'm like, I've been drinking. What the fuck? They're on rev. Aren't they a straight edge band? Like, <laughs> so like, Oh, other people had the same experience I had. But Super Touch is not only just the band, it's also like a noun. Like people go, oh, they, or a, you know, or a verb, like verb. saying, oh, they, they Super Touch. You, you know what I mean? Like, even yeah, what, Planet Mental is like a worship to the Super Touch LP, kind of. Hugely. Yeah. And that's why I like that album. I'm like, cool. Sounds like Super Touch. I dig this. And like uh, that band Justice from, I think they're from Belgium. They were like a super touch worship band. There's yeah. a band called Rule Them All from Long Island that's out now. That's very super touchy. Like they they really made like, they're like a band you would compare other bands to as opposed to. But, I, but I'm saying that there's a band that would be referenced when people would say like a band like D-Punked and Jump the Shark a bit. People would be like, oh, they super touch <laughs> like that you know was a thing said well if that's the case a lot more bands quicksanded quicksanded than super touched but dan i think that's just a thing that you and don said because you guys are dicks <laughs> <laughs> and rob Moran. okay the trifecta this is another one of those rip this is one of those records that took a long time to get into and then i got super into it like it's that whole 90s rev like, like, listen until you have decided you've gotten your money's worth, kind of thing. But to this day, I love all that, all that stuff. It's, it's like it really has to the test of time to me. So, props to them being OG flat earthers. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, I'm taking my number five, and I'm gonna go to Chain of Strength. And I think Too Deep Until Now is the best Chain of Strength song. Um, with the drum, with the drumming and so forth. And then like that part on like the I don't know, like the bridge, like where it's like the so tasteful. But that shit was on foundation records. So I gotta go off to the True Till Death Seven Inch. And I love the three of you lots. I don't know how much I've told you recently, but I love you guys. So I'm going true till death Um, because you guys get it for the lyrics. I get it for a song. That's just two fucking notes. And uh, I love that ignorant shit. And this song is so fucking ill. It sounds so meaty and beefy, just like from a, you know, and like they're going like open strumming. They're not palm muting. It just sounds so beefy, like those two fucking notes. And then like, you say, shouldn't be taken to. Like Kurt's voice just sounds so fucking brutal. And then like the chorus, super catchy with like, uh, 
you know, not really going with like a straight beat, like the da 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 da. So fucking sick. It's blueprint hardcore. Like you know, every straight four hardcore band's got to come with like their mid tempo banger, and some of them knock it out of the park. Some don't. This is the shit. Classic hardcore. Every single thing about it. This song's untouchable. So I'm choosing Chance Strength, True Till Death off the True Till Death 7-inch um, on Revelation Records, well, 1989. What? The backups are just so perfectly concocted to make his voice sound even more urgent, like with, you say! And then he go runs with it from there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so fucking good. Yeah. And then, like, the build-up at the end, like, True Till... Death, true till death. Plus, I I can uh, get down a chain because they were straight edge, but Frosty drank sometimes, but only when he's thirsty. So, uh, (laughs) fucking love it. Love everything about this. I was going to say that this is Frosty's um, sole songwriting contribution to the band. Is it really? He wrote the, well, he wrote the music for True Till Death, and that's the only thing he wrote for Chain. That's so amazing. Um, because, you know, they're busting some pretty crazy shit. And then to come in and just be like, here's my riff, dude. And, like, the fact that he must have brought a little more to it. Like, okay, and we're going to sing it kind of like this. Like, I don't know if you just come in with that riff and they're like, all right, let's roll with it. You know? Like, he must have brought a little more than just that. Like, here's my concept for the song, yeah. you know? I, I, I suspect it's based on glue by SSD, but I never asked him. Um, but I don't think you're right about him drinking beer while the, while the band, I think he, he told me that everyone was sober the, during the entire lifespan of the band, I don't know. The, wop, the, the whopping three years the band was together. Yeah. But sober. Maybe like, you're thinking I, about when they I were can, in the alien ant farm. I can drink three beers and be sober. <laughs> well, you know, whatever drugs <laughs> they stayed, didn't drink and whatever. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, this is what I choose, and we already talked chain. Uh, the the chain formula. One thing that I think that is just super interesting about the chain formula that I've definitely been guilty of of stealing for a champion, but like the, the the formula really kind of relies on the drums to to carry like the intensity and and this you know the wipeout beats and all the crazy stuff that he's doing on the drums and and the guitars are kind of hanging on on notes for a long time and. And that was certainly like uh, a formula that Champion used a lot, which was awesome because we had a great drummer. Uh, could disguise that I wasn't a very good guitar player, and then at the same time, I could throw my guitar around and just be as wild as I wanted. Um, so it's just like a sick formula that allows for like a lot of energy live. Yeah, you guys always yeah. struck me as as kind of a cross between Chain and Turning Point. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what we were going for, I would say. Right. Boom. I got a little bit more Hootie and the Blowfish from you guys. <laughs> yeah, I like the earlier stuff. Yeah. Demo. Demo only. Um, By okay. the way, that, that, that Texas is the reason song was back into the left on the in-flight sample. Killer song? Yeah. Okay, I think that we are on number six. Chris, let's go with your number six pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back to Judge here. 
I'm going to go with Rev 15 uh, off Bringing It Down. My favorite Judd song is Like You. This mm. is a song that basically like screams that it's okay for hard guys to cry. <laughs> I think it's so cool. Like it's such a hard, heavy song with like some really cool, like reverby metal leads. It's like super emotional. Like hardcore, hardcore as a genre is very confront confrontational and, and the lyrics, a lot of the lyrics are very confrontational. So the lyrics of this song, he took a really cool approach where, you know, instead of pointing fingers, He's kind of looking at himself and, and kind of trying to relate to someone or something and saying, you know, hey, I've been where you are. Like, I've seen it. We're not that we're not that different. You or I, you and I, you know, and then showing them that there's a better way. I just I love that approach. And and I, I love this record, too, in that there's a lot of really introspective stuff like that, that that he still sounds gnarly and mean and like every bit of the biker that Ben was talking about earlier, but like literally not afraid to like sit down and cry over some, some, something real. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. Like when he's like, and totally. I fought before and it never changed a thing. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty heavy for like a dude that's probably what? 21, 22, you know, like, that's a pretty heavy, and then this song, Chris, fuck, you know, on my list too. Um, it's probably my favorite Judge song, and I saw them last year, and I would say overall they're pretty disappointing. But there's like moments where, because this is one of my favorite bands of all time. I've listened to this record a million fucking times, and like, and- I I forgot about this song, you know. And then when they start doing like that intro, I'm like. Oh my god! I totally forgot about this song, uh, and it was just—I'm like, getting chills just thinking about the intro. Yeah, and it's just like it was one of those like those shining like moments in the set where it's just like everything went away, and it's like I remember like why I love this band so much. And it was like it sounded so good, and they played it so perfect. And it was just like fuck, like I love this song. Like this is my favorite song on earth right now, you know. And like those moments you get, like at hardcore shows, like they're, you know, we all understand them, and and most of the listeners understand, but that's like one of those those things, like why we talk about sometimes, or I don't know if we talk about it on the pod, but like, you know, hardcore sometimes is like a secret handshake, you know, like if you don't, if you're not in it, like it's hard to describe to other people because lots of people connect to music, right? Like, why do popular acts draw twenty thousand people? You know, like. I would not say that those people are not connected to the music. They might be, but there's just something special about when hardcore is like done the perfect way and like the way you connect to it live. And like, this was like one of those moments, like them playing the song. I was just like, Oh my God, I fucking love this. And yeah, it's perfect. It's this song is, is something special. You know, it's like kind of the, a ballad on the record, but still being like rocking and Mm -hmm. still sounds mean. But it's like, you know, like, it's like he's writing his diary after, like, you know, a big-ass bar fight or something. You know, like, oh, i got to figure out how to change my life, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, I think, you know, Dan mentioned Fed Up, which I think is an awesome song. Like, definitely in the top tier of Judge songs. 
and and that's a great pissed off song but I, I feel like songs like like you and like the storm like are the songs that made judge judge you know yeah like right. made him stand out from the, the crowd but i don't i don't know if you could have one without the other because like without fed up yeah, maybe sure. these songs aren't like i don't know like a whole album of the storm and like you is not as special as is having like bring it down or hold me back you know like you got to have those songs too right mm-hmm. well it, it doesn't make it as special for someone to be introspective unless they're raging and pissed on the other songs right you know then I mean? you know why they're fed the fuck up yeah yeah and it's yeah i love i love go ahead you go oh i was gonna say the the lyric that gets me the, the most is where he says like you i face rejection like you i look for acceptance i always think like there are all these all these bands especially in hardcore who who put on this front like i don't i play this music for myself i don't care if anyone likes it because it's not for them it's for me and it's like cool then you'll be playing to nobody like you really don't care if other people like you it's like that that doesn't sound human like i don't believe you and this guy's saying like i look for acceptance i face rejection like like you know it humanizes it it's 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 taking off the the kind of tough front like i want to say fugazi did you would say stuff like that a lot like we're just playing this music for ourselves it's like Okay, then don't play in front of an audience. I don't know. If really, if the real reason you're playing music is just for yourself, then don't play in front of an audience. Hey, hey, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, like, they won't let people stage dive, so they might as well not be playing in front of an audience. Yeah, but it's like you want people. Uh, you want people to like your band. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's like it's like you do look for acceptance, even though it's like it's lame to tr- to bend yourself to fit in for acceptance, but you still want people to like you. You know. Yeah, Fugazi probably so they're, they're probably not the best example, but you know, some bands that say that shit is like, well, your eight merch designs like say otherwise. You know, I think you're hoping that people show up to the show. You know. Anyway. Right. Fugazi is the one example of like the band who never made merch. <laughs> no, I know. But. I know. So they're <laughs> a bad example for that. And Fugazi's gotta <laughs> play live, dude. Who else are you gonna do like the noodle wiggle to? You know, or like hold your backpack straps and shake left and shake right. Anyway, shout out noodle, <laughs> noodle wiggle. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Let's go on to Daniel for your number six. As he moles, um, as he moles. No, no, it's. I can't believe there's going to be some bands left off of this. It's just really, really difficult. I'm going to go inside out, no spiritual surrender. Yeah. Had to get on here. But yeah, just the moody beginning of it and the, you don't know really where it's going. And then just the epicness of it and the, you try to, God, like, you want to talk about an urgent vocal? Like, this is it. Yeah, his like, his voice on the song is is untouchable. Like, this song yeah. lends to his voice the most of anything. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Even more than Burning Fight. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Even though I do prefer Burning Fight to this. 
yeah, I would have chose Bernie Fight also, but you know, somebody got the number one draft pick. That's <laughs> true. I do. I do totally agree with what you're saying, though. Like his his vocals on this are a hundred percent of the you know the dripping with emotion, yeah. like that. You know, if you turned it up to eleven, like that, this is what that sounds like. Yeah, but after recording this in the studio, he probably like just needed to go lay down in the other room. Like he gave everything on this, lyrically and performance-wise. Do you want me to uh, give the knock on this song? Okay. Repeating verses. You know, especially for a guy that has so much to say, like to repeat the second verse, like write a second verse, dude. Come on. Yeah, but you know, someone just said something about as one, like teaching you for the next part. I also think sometimes <laughs> if you have something really important to say, sometimes you got to say it twice. Yeah, and it's just a mission statement of like, you cannot beat me. No matter what you try, you cannot beat me. I have enough faith in myself and my own makeup to come through. You know? I think it's incredible. It is like a very hardcore sentiment, but expressed in a very, very emotional way. Yeah, should have wrote a second verse. As one had a second verse. But, but I mean, you think, I don't know. I, it's yeah. just because he writes such great lyrics, man. I, I just like, and that song is so perfect for him. I just wish that he would have laid down like more lyrics. With it now? What's that? You just want him to come with it now. Yeah, dude. I want, I want some more. I want some flow. Cause, uh, but <laughs> I mean, he would go on to do the band that like repeats everything. Like the ultimate <laughs> repeaty lyric band, you know? So anyway. Great song. Do you think that um do you think um who wrote the lyrics to this song? Does anyone know? If it was Zach or if it was um you think it might be Vic? man? Yeah, because I always think about like Vic converting to Krishna like right after this and and how like isn't that a way a form of spiritual surrender? You're surrendering to your your god Krishna? Or well, or am I reading that wrong? I think with hindsight, you can look at this and think that it's the precursor to a lot of like the 108 and and shelter and and uh, yeah. what Vic went on to do. I think you can totally retrofit it to be that, and it and it certainly can be. But I'm taking it more as like the the power of self rather than the. Uh, you know, the Krishna vibes. But if you look at the artwork of, of the record and everything too, it it has touches on that kind of world as well. Yeah, I want to say he converted when Inside Out and Quicksand and Shelter did a tour in 1990, like at, just after this record came out. And, and uh, Shelter brought these like gurus with them in like a, like a carrot, like a caravan, like a, you know, like a, like a Winnebago, yeah. and, and and over the course of the tour, I think Vic was converted. So this had already been been out and been recorded and made before he, his spiritual awakening, so to speak. And I don't actually don't think he's. Oh no, he he might still be Christian. I have no idea. 
I don't know. He's a snake oilsman. Yeah. I don't know um, if you can be Krishna yeah. and record the PC Death Squad record. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when he was living in Fontana, right? He was living somewhere in I thought North County, San Diego. But yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, anything else on, on this before we move on to Bedge? Just if you haven't heard it, listen to it. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, classic seven inch, we've touched on it lots of times, right? Including, I think, Daniel, it was you that brought up, I think it's brilliant saying this is like California's answer to burn, you know, like both well, just the, the, the apex of, of being rooted in aggressive hardcore, but pushing the boundary to the very limit. Yeah. It is the, the West coast version of the East coast burn seven inch, you know? Right, because on on the undertone song they go buck wild, you know, and then that's like you know Chris talking about like the proto mosh on uh, "Shall Be Judged," like that undertone mosh is like kind of blueprint for a lot of like the '90s like metal Corey mosh, like the dun 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 dun. So yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay, Edge. Let's go on with your uh, number six, please. Yeah, and if you don't, if without without Inside Out, you don't have uh, Undertow. I mean, Hidden is basically a rewrite of No Spiritual Surrender. Um, but uh, my sixth pick will be, and I'm breaking my rule and actually going to talk about a band that's already been mentioned here, um, Bold Running Like Thieves. And, and the reason I'm picking it is because it's so different than the LP. It's almost like talking about a different band. Because you got you have the introduction of um, Tom Capone from Beyond joins the band, and the seven inch was recorded um, during Spring Break '89, which is the year that Matt graduated high school and a lot of the other dudes in the band. And so the guitarist, the rhythm guitarist, and the drummer—no wait—and the bass player. So Tim Brooks and John Zulu are like fuck it, we're going to go to Cabo for spring break. We don't want to stay home and record a record. And so the remaining three guys recorded this entire uh, record themselves. And that's why you only see three people on the back of the record. You know, that famous photo that everyone talks about, how they look like new kids on the block, even though they don't really. Um, Like that's, so it's Matt. Matt actually plays bass on this. And Tom Capone does all the guitar stuff. So, um, Bedge, while you're dropping all those bold facts, right? can you when does the when does the fourth press come out? Like when they changes color well, from like the maroon to the blue? I don't know, but I got the seven inch in ninety two and it was the cover was blue. So that's not about three years after it came out. So right. some somewhere within the first couple of years. Yeah. Um but when as another record when I first got it, I'm like I, I knew this band from the um, the where, the way it is comp the wise up. That's the only, I think that's the only song I heard by them at that point. And I got the seven inch, and I'm like, this is like this is not the same sounding thing. It's basically the only time youth crew hardcore and new wave of British heavy metal um, were merged stylistically merged into one thing. Like no one did that before or since. You know, you have the 
it's like that sounds like crazy train by ozzy or something like that like and then of course you still have the you know the speedy youth crew type stuff i love it i think his voice is almost like you can tell his voice dropped a little since the the lp you know he's 17 or 18 at this point and he's kind of got that jim morrison thing going on um and then the the it's the I remember teaching Graham how to play a lot of these songs on the guitar, like the solos. I mean, I could never play them as well as Tom Capone could, but that really got Graham into or, playing or Graham. the guitar. Or Graham, let's or, be real. No, but but, this, but that's part of the story. I was just about to say, Graham got so obsessed with learning these songs on the guitar that it really got him into guitar because he was a drummer. He was a drummer of Fields of Fire. And that, and he never looked back like that, like, he he knew how to play the guitar already, but like he was an okay guitar player. Within a month, he was a better guitar player than me, and and it was and there was no looking back. And it, no pun intended, because that's the name of a bold song. But um, th- so this song, this record really inspired him, which is strange to think. Like this, he's like the, the least youth crew guy you can imagine. He's like a like a Hessian now, but. Uh, but he loved like, all that I, stuff. He I was just, never too cool for school. I think he's, I think he's, a, he, you get a little bit of that from him now, but back then, no, he wasn't too cool for school. Now it's like, why would I listen to anything that isn't Thin Lizzie? You know, he'd say stuff like that, kind of get a rise out of people. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Ben, Ben, I just remembered a story that I forgot about. We played with you guys in Tehachapi in Andy's garage. And uh, Graham had attached a cowbell to his drum set. <laughs> totally remember that. Yes. And he kept he kept playing it and like laughing and like, of course we all kept egging him on like, yo more cowbell, more cowbell. He, and he kept doing it, and you got so mad that you grabbed the cowbell to yank it off of his drum set, and you pulled it was attached like it was vice on, and you basically ripped his entire drum set apart. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I don't remember that I do remember sticking my hand between the cowbell and his drumstick and him hitting my hand so hard because he's still thinking he's hitting the, the cowbell <laughs> that I was like oh I shouldn't have done that that hurt <laughs> but yeah those are the, 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 the roots of his you know that's the beginning of, of his journey as a Hessian right using using the cowbell but um, yeah running like thieves Another cool thing about this song is guitar solo between the first chorus and the second verse, you know, Dan, like a kind of a quick guitar solo. I always think that's cool. Like, um, you don't hear that very often. I, I think it's like a great placement of a guitar solo. So the guitar solo usually comes like after the second chorus and it kind of takes up the entire length of a, like a verse or a chorus that's like the standard place to put a guitar solo, but it's just like, it hits you hard and fast. And I remember them playing in 06 and they would, they opened with this song. and It was like everything I wanted it to be. Damn. You guys don't like this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, again, not a huge bold song. This is probably my favorite, second favorite bold song after talking is cheap. Um, and I totally agree. It's, it's almost like a completely different band. Like, um, you know, maybe even almost in like the super touch realm, but uh, I think it's a cool song. 
Daniel, do you yeah, like this? No. Not at all. I'm on team Daniel. It's it's introspective wow. too. It's the same it's the same kind of uh uh journey that Judge takes between the seven inch and the LP bold takes between their LP and the seven inch. Mm-hmm. I mean they're not as they're never as pissed off as Judge. They never were in the first place, but it's it's more like singing about feelings, you know. Yeah. Um cool. That is your number six. And let's see, my number six. Okay, I'm taking a euthanasia song. And like we've talked about, this is fucking brutal. Um, the two that I narrowed it down to were Take a Stand and Stabbed in the Back. Um, I'm going Stabbed in the Back. But Take a Stand... It's got sentimental value to me because it was on one of those Revelation Records tours, and I think maybe Better Than a Thousand played, and they like ended yep. with this song, and they played it at the Whiskey, and it's the one and only time I staged over the Whiskey, which is fucking terrifying. Um, and it wasn't that huge of an attended show. Like, what do you think the Whiskey holds? Like five hundred people? Like if just the, just the ground floor? I'm saying like packed, packed. Like, okay, so a few hundred. Two. two. Okay. Yeah. There's probably like, it was not that good of a tennis show because I remember it being loose. And when I staged over, I was fucking scared, you know, but I still had to. It's fucking take a stand. And like the way that, you know, the song builds up, like, hear your voice back of the crowd, come up front and shout out loud, you know, and then you get the take a stand, you know, which is very similar to like, the greatest minor threat shit, right? Like on EMIs, you know, like it's that yell of a phrase, like where there's nothing else. And then you just go into like fucking blistering, man, this song is fucking perfect, but I'm going stab in the back. Another like blueprint song. And, uh, you you talk about me me cheating. You you basically break down a whole song and then you go, but I'm going with this one, and this is the second time you've done it. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not taking. I'm not trying to take both. I'm not taking stabbed in the back slash take a stand. I'm going stabbed in the back, and just the way it starts and like his fucking vocal attack on the song. We were brothers, you and me, loyal to the hardcore scene. Things are against the truth. What happened to you? You changed. Stab us right in the back. Dun, 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 dun. And then like, do do ding 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 ding. Like the bass shit, and then just. Oh, it's so angry and so catchy, like musically and like lyrically. I remember all the shit that you said, shit you said, you know, it's like, oh, fuck. This sums everything great about Youth of Day up, where it's like, take it or leave it. This is what it is, you know, fucking gnarly. Um, you know, something that's been done to death in hardcore, stabbed in the back. But here it is, you know, like, here's your blueprint. We're all tracing back to this. Um, and I absolutely love it. The other, the other great thing though, about take a stand, Daniel is, uh, the guy gang vocal, you know, been passed right by, by a real nice guy, guy like that. (laughs) That had been hilarious to be in the studio. Like, all right, what's the next gang? Uh, guy like what? Okay. Like, it sounds great. But then when you think about it, you're like, did everyone just yell guy? What? Um, but yeah, I'm going stab in the back by youth today. I'll break down the walls, motherfuckers. That's my sixth pick. That, 
best bass break ever in hardcore. Yeah, 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 super sick. Um, well, it, it also is birthed a genre of hardcore songs, the stabbed in the back song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it. It's a very common trope. But don't you think "Betray" "Betray" by Minus Threat kind of is the really the the genesis of this kind of a straight, specifically like straight edge cliche? Yeah, but but I'm I'm saying like when these kind of songs are talked about, everyone refers to them as like it's oh doing lyrics about stabbed in the back, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, yeah, and also like. Ian is like a great lyricist that has plenty of nuance, you know, Ray Kappa has zero nuance and that's why it's so it's like different and great in a different way. You know, like there's nuance, there's no nuance here. You know, I remember all the shit that you said, (laughs) you know, it's all fucking lies. Like that's not an Ian ass lyric. Like Ian is actually, I don't know. His shit's like another level, you know? But there's something great about early, being so straightforward. I'd say early minor threat for two seven inches. That's there's no nuance, you know. Like get get your bravery from a six pack, get your bravery from half pint, like all those, like the first fourteen songs on the discography, and then you get nuance with uh, out of step. Would you agree with that? I would still say those minor threat lyrics are like technically better lyrics, They're a little bit more clever. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he's th- that's probably the best word. So it goes from like being clever and pissed to like real nuance. And Ray is just fucking angry. There's no nuance. And that's what makes it so great. That's why I love it. You know, I don't want it to all be the same. But uh yeah. I think we've talked to you today plenty. Um and I think we can go to Chris for his number seven final pick. And also, just chime in before you choose your number seven. Is this brutal? Like, do you feel like you're leaving a bunch of stuff off, or do you feel pretty good about your list? Um, so I actually are, am getting all the songs I really wanted to have on here. Uh, I mean, that said, there's there's tons of content. So, like, you know, it's it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Plus, Ben picked a bunch of stuff that I would never pick in a million years. <laughs> that helps. That's the idea. You, you got like no, uh, Ben stuff is cool, but like you know, that's not really the the era that I'm going for, and I, I dig some of that stuff. But uh, yeah, you got two that I really want. Also, so you're you're the only guy I got beef with in here. They also, I mean, Rev's got a ton of stuff. You know, in the the 2000s, like they came back strong with you know down and nothing and. You know, seeking ships. You had shook ones. You had violent reaction a little bit later. Like, there's some good stuff that I would love to touch on, but there's just isn't time. You know. Yeah. Got to pick seven. I wish Ben went that direction. <laughs> what mid two thousands? I don't know. Just I don't know. Whatever. Okay, Chris, you're number seven. <laughs> you're number seven. All right, so um, <laughs> in the best segue possible, like everything that I just said, I'm throwing it out the window because uh, <laughs> this pick is is um, I saved a weird one for my last one, um, and that's Rev 138, which is a reissue of a record that came out in Crisis. Um, but I'm gonna take Shy Halud 
this wake I myself have stirred. Um, you know, we talk about Hatebreed being a band that just changed the game. Like, you know, nothing was really the same after that. Like Shia Lu did that too. Like for better, for better or for worse, like if this isn't your favorite style of music, like I totally understand. It's definitely not my favorite style of hardcore, but I mean, they changed the game, you know, and then they weren't the first to do this kind of melodic metalcore thing. But, you know, I think they're one of the first to do it this good. And it really kind of left, left a dent that we're, we see today, you know, um, you know, in some alternate reality, you know, Chad never leads Shia Halud for newfound glory. And Shia Halud is like the biggest band in the history of hardcore. I mean, they, they still got pretty big, but you know, all the, all the lineup changes certainly didn't do them any, any service, you know, kind of held back some of the momentum, but I just think this song is awesome. Um, and it's really all about the lead. Like, there's other songs on this record that are more memorable lyrically, like uh, My Heart Bleeds the Darkest Blood. Um, also a band that changed the game by having like complete sentence uh, song, song titles. But um, but this song just has the coolest lead. If you listen to this record, like it really stands out. Like it's... And really... Like Chad's vocals on this are like so, you know, we get we go back to um you know, the the inside out style kind of dripping with passion. Like Chad definitely had that um to like the next level, like to, to the more metal level. Uh and, and you know, I this record, Hearts Once Nourished with Hope and Compassion, is uh, an incredible hardcore record and uh this song is my favorite song from it. So that's my number seven. Dano, did you ever get into this stuff? Uh, when this first came around and uh, Rob signed him for Crisis, you know, it was a a big deal and he was uh, a pretty maniacal frontman. Um, would be like flipping on his head and like, he, I mean, and he was also... He was like real young too, right? Notoriously young, like 15, yeah. 16 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, on tour with these older dudes in the band, but the guitar playing also took a lot of the San Diego guitar players by storm. Like a lot of people wanted to try and incorporate this kind of riff into their music, but to me, they never. I never, I never latched onto them like everyone else. But they were they made a massive imprint in San Diego when they came through, and when this record came out. Um, it just never particularly grabbed me personally. I mean, bands like Poison the Well, yeah, who became exactly. huge, like they owe everything to this band, right? Yeah, I liked this when it came out. I don't, I don't, I can't listen to it anymore, but I really did like it when it came out, and I saw them at the showcase. Um, I don't know why it never, it didn't hold up for me. Maybe I'm gonna give it another chance. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll change my mind back. It's certainly one that I came back to. Like I loved it for a while, and then I got, um, you know, uh, I took too much to the school of rain on the parade, um, huh. and kind of threw all my more metal stuff on the back burner. But like, you know, as I come back to it, like this record is just awesome. So 
but I was totally in anti-metal mode too when this came out, and there was something about it that it was it was different enough where I dug it. Octaves um, and the and the mm-hmm. guitarists are doing two different things, and it's creative. I remember seeing them. Um, uh, I saw a ten yard fight on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Friday um, in one week. And then on that Wednesday, like my day off of 10 yard fight, I saw these guys at showcase. And then this, and then on Saturday I saw kill holiday at two. So I saw six shows in a row. I was so fucking tired. Oh my God. I'd never do that again. <laughs> Don't mix an acid with a fucking bass. Cause it will Cause blow, blow up, up right in your face. In your face. <sighs> yeah. I'm excited to kill holiday. Um, I'm excited that you chose this, Chris, because that's cool to have a song plucked out here, and I'm going to give it an honest chance. I was never able to get into this band, but I'm going to give it a shot. What are you saying about Kill Holiday? It's it's funny that Ben mentioned Kill Holiday because the first time I actually heard this song was on, I don't know if you guys remember it, but that East Coast versus West Coast comp. I don't even know who put it out, but um, it had a, this Shai Halud song. It had uh, Made to Let You Down uh, by Kill Holiday. And also had uh, the Farside song that I was talking about earlier. Um, I hope that you're unhappy. Awesome. I had a bunch of other, like, Ensign and In My Eyes and stuff, I think, too. Sounds like a perfect comp. Um, Daniel, number seven? Well, it's funny that Kill Holiday was just mentioned because they're close. Uh, the title track of their LP would be close for a choice of mine because I really love that LP. Um, but I I have to put this song because it is my favorite song by them. Um, and it is just an incredible song. And it it's making me not put a Youth of Today song on my list, which makes me feel very guilty. Um, but I'm going to go with Landmine Spring by Quicksand. Uh, Manic Compression, their second LP, was pressed on vinyl by Rev at the time of the release of the record. Um, so they've done a deal with the, much like Rage Against the Machine did, like, the major labels are like, yeah, we don't care who presses the vinyl. Go ahead, license it out, you know. And so uh, the vinyl came out on Rev, and Landmine Spring is just such an amazing song. Um, it has a very staccato, like, like parts to it, but it also has this amazing guitar going over the, the top of it, uh, to Tom Capone coming back in again, um, with uh, Walter's vocals on it being so cool because he, the way he delivers the lines uh, on a couple of parts of the song is almost like he sings the part of the, of the riff, like the lyric, and then it almost drops off a cliff, like where he goes into the next line. Like it, it, he has like this bridging by his vocal going into the next line. And it really sounds like falling, uh, but represented by like it, the sound, 
it's a a really amazing song, and I'm going to have to put it on my list. Anyone else familiar with that song? First, first quicksand song I ever liked, and I tried really hard to like them because it was all ex members of my favorite bands, and I couldn't get into them. And I got into this song, and I gradually got over time got into the other songs till I liked them till I liked all of them. So, um, yeah, good pick. I mean, yet another rev band that like, you know, I didn't understand. I tried my hardest and then I became like a certified cult member of the band. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, um, the pedal usage of that riff that starts it out is just so cool. It's like a swirling, uh, but pretty sounding riff. And then the, Rhythm section is just like it's crunchy and beautiful at the same time. It's an amazing song. You know what it's based on? I think is um, there's a song by the Eagles called "I'm Looking It Up Right Now." It's called okay. "Those Shoes." I'm those Jeff Lebowski on this one. <laughs> <laughs> those shoes by the Eagles. Listen to it. Eric B and Rakim sample it. BC Boy sample it. It's totally like the data, data. Uh, Chris, did you want okay. to say anything on Quicksand? Um, I love Quicksand, but I, for me, like I love Slip in the first seven inch so much that like anytime I try to listen to Manic Compression or or the newer record, like I'll I won't get very far and I'll just put it back to Slip. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely have to give this song another try. Yeah, give this a try because I like Slip better as an LP, but this is the best Quicksand song, in my opinion. I actually had on my, uh, you know, my uh, alternate um, omission was one of my, my backups. Yeah, banger of a song, too. All right, Bedge, you ready yeah, for uh, number seven? I'm ready. Actually, I want to ask... Dan about Landmine Spring. Do you think who do you think that song is about? Mm. I really haven't uh, haven't really thought about that. That it's directed to anyone in particular. Yeah, because it's like, what do you want from my life? I ask myself, loading my questions like a shotgun. You can fuck every chance with one shot. You think that's the answer? It's kind of accusatory. I, I, I maybe it isn't about anyone specifically. Anyway. It's um, about like unraveling and exploding, you know. Zach, did you ever get into the uh, quicksand? I just want to say it's just about like society, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Did you ever get in? No. no. To me, it sounds like the end of a relationship, right? You know. Um. Okay, my last pick is going to be. I'm gonna go. Uh, Everything I've done so far has been, um, where am I here? It's been 90s and Boulder's late 80s. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go further into the future with a song called For the Moment by the band In My Eyes. And that is off their album, Nothing to Hide, which came out in, was it 1999 or yeah. was it 2000? It was 99. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is a band I got to see like from the beginning to the end. Not that they lasted very long, maybe three years, but um, there was such a palpable 
excitement around Revelation Records putting out a youth crew band because that's kind of that's the foundation of the entire label was all these like late eighties youth crew bands that I had broken up before I discovered them just just before I discovered them. So it's I like it came out in two thousand. Ben, oh, it did. It came out two thousand. Yeah, yeah. And so this is like this is it. A, a band that sounds like that that's on Revelation Records, and I think the band themselves were really stoked on that. I think they probably realized it's you know a record label like any other. By the time they were on it, like I'm not to diss Revelation, but I think they had this like idea of like you know we've reached Valhalla, you know this is this is the ultimate goal and we've achieved it, and then it's like you know the first album takes forever to come out. Because mainly because the Pusshead did the artwork and he dragged his feet. But then the second album, I want to say like by the second album, this is something, this is something that bugs the shit out of me about hardcore is that a band will come out, they'll be brand new and people will be really excited about them because it's something new. Like it's something new and shiny. Yeah. And then, and then they stick around for a couple of years. They make, they make another one or two more records and those records, regardless of even if they're better than the first one, it's not new anymore. So it's not cool. And we've moved on to this other shiny new thing. Agreed. And, that, it's and the, I don't know the hype of, of things, you know, and nothing to hide is so much better than uh, the difference between in my, so opinion. much better. Agreed. Right. I mean, yeah. Okay. We all agree on that. Well, uh, I'll tell you something that I did learn from a recent episode of 185 miles South is that Corey has uh, a couple of pictures on this album cover. Yeah, that he was does. Cool. When he was a photographer. Oh, yeah, that's right. I knew that. I was proud of him when I saw that. That was a big. That was a big deal at the time. Like, you have a rec- You have a photo on a cover of a, an album on Rev. Like, Rev carried weight. Like, it really was the like. If you were into that straight edge shit, they were like that was the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were doing so much random stuff. Like all most of my other picks, like up to that point that it was so cool that they came out with this and like, yeah, like I, maybe some of the excitement about in my eyes had faded by the time this record came out. And I think they only did one more tour after it came out. And um, yeah, I think they worked really hard on making sure, making this album better than the first one. Like I've read something that Anthony Papalardo wrote about that or that he said in an interview. And, and and the riff, the the very first riff you hear on this song, there's been so many times where I picked up a guitar and I thought I'm going to write a really simple hardcore song, and I played this riff and I thought, oh, I can't do that. That's already been done. Shit, like it's like, why did it take till the year 2000 for someone to come up with like this this like this thing that someone should have come up with in 1982, you know, that's just so perfect and simple and catchy. Well, they, they, um, definitely go on a more melodic approach on some of the songs on this, uh, which lends itself like to their style really well and sets them apart of, from all the other 97, uh, bringing it backers, you know, Mm -hmm. They do, but on this record, they don't rely on the octave as much as they do the previous re- record, I think. Like, it's still melodic, but I feel like they make it melodic without relying on the octave to make it 
Oh yeah, definitely. There's no like, there's it, like you say the the reliance on or what set them apart on the first one was like doing those octave taps. On this, it's more like the melody is actually the riff. Yeah, their intro, right. their intro, that demo intro is so fucking good, and it's it's yeah. heavily relying on the octave. I think that. Yeah. I think the first LP didn't hit. Well, I mean, it's hard to say that it didn't hit, right? Because they played those giant showcase shows and they'd play with like all the biggest indecision bands, you know, like it was pretty huge, but I feel like Mm -hmm. maybe the LP wasn't as well received just because the demo was like the fucking hype, you know, they must've made so many of those things. Like my demo was actually like evidence. That was the gap. Uh, that bridged the gap between the actual demo and the LP coming out. Was there a seven inch, or was that just the demo seven inch? That's what I said. The demo seven inch oh, okay. bridged okay. the gap between the. You know, it gave you something to play a lot more often at home than the tape. Right, you know? right. I think that my demo is actually like they didn't they didn't make pro demos. Like my shit's like dubbed on some shit. It's like a different oh, yeah. tape. You know. Um, I made I made dubs of this shit. <laughs> I just wanted people to have it. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was good. Like it was super hype at the time, and then I think the LP came out, and it was like, oh, maybe the best songs are the demo songs. But I do agree, the second cool. LP is better. Um, they took yeah. a more creative approach to it and really went in, and you know, it's it's hard to write hardcore LPs. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. Second LP is better. I think. People shit on the Pusshead cover yeah. so much. They were like, I, I like, feel like the band should not look like this. Well, I feel like I was always disappointed. Like, like if you get Pusshead to draw something, then it's not like a, a gnarly skull. That's almost like a, a waste. Agreed. Uh, but I love it. I love the album cover personally. Yeah. Um. Now, if someone told me in 1999 or whatever that. 20 something years into the future, the only one of these bands anyone is going to care about is floor punch. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. But that's what, that's what happened. And why yeah. the fuck, why is it that that's what happened? They were catchy. Anybody? They were catchy. They had short songs and like, they had kind of like a YOLO style. Like mm, they had the formula for, to have fun at a show. Well, yeah. and also people love, negative outlook has aged better than positive outlook um with you know going through 10 plus well 20 plus years of of beatdown core now being like the 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 regular style um the negative like harder edged songs have aged better in in most people's palettes, I feel. But, well, but I, Gorilla Biscuits can still pack it in, and they're super positive. You know? Yeah, I think a couple things. I'm saying a couple things. I think from those people from those bands. I think Floor Punch's aesthetic and their branding and their like their logo and their guy l- lends itself a lot better to being remembered than in my eyes stuff. Um, and a lot of the bands of that time, like they really embraced that kind of like you know the hooded. Uh, Edgeman, you know, the moshing Edgeman look. Um, yeah, but also, Hardcore is full of followers, too, so uh, 
these bands tell you that floor punch is the band that matters then floor punch is the band that matters to the next generation and on you know what i mean but yeah. they were the best like they like i said like they have that yolo style like they went with like the scissor beat on some songs you know like they went wild and then like it's super catchy um instead of like trying to write i don't know it, it was just like a era where that genre was kind of safe and it got even like safer i think in the like in the early 2000 issues too um but they just like went they had like kind of a wild style daniel and i think that that like yeah. kind of holds up mm-hmm. oh um, definitely and and the catchiest part too it won't happen to us no like no fucking way. way yeah now yeah. i i do think it's- that the the tenor fight seven inch is like right there um but I think that they suffer from doing an LP that was the hardcore pride. Yeah. The hardcore pride seven inch and their demo, um, <laughs> but the seven inch, especially, but their the back on track LP was not that great. And that, yeah, la- that too much filler. what's that? Well, yeah, too much filler, but arguably the floor punch LP is that, but floor punch are living off of their first mm. twin killing two, seven inches, you know, or the uh, demo and the seven, inch. The, the, they're living off of that. Yeah. But that floor punch LP is like, pretty good and pretty easy to listen to even i think i do think the demo and the seven inch are better but it's a pretty good lp for the genre the back on track wasn't that great now i do think that that last track though go ahead back on track has some bangers though in retrospect like when it came out i think there was a lot of hype and it didn't live up to the hype that i had the, the standard that i had in my head so i didn't like it initially but like when i went back like even recently when I go back and listen to it, there's some bangers on that record. Definitely. But what I think 10 yard fight suffer from is the fact that they had a gimmicky existence at one point and tried to mature out of it, even mm-hmm. though, you know, and it, I think all the passion was used up around the, of the hardcore pride seven inch. A lot. Do you know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. was so much more was given at the time, whereas floor punch were still dudes around at shows and and became more celebrated because they did less. Well, over I, time, I I just you know? I I want to say that I think that that last tenure fight EP the the only way that was better than back on track, like but maybe people had lost a little interest right then. Maybe that was like a little too late for the style, but, uh, yeah, but it was but, good. But what you're saying about hardcore LPs that they're very hard to do. I can very much agree with that. And my band first LP suffers from that of trying to just accumulate as many songs as possible instead of editing, you know, and I think back on track suffers from that as well. Like, oh, we got to get like thirteen songs or fourteen songs. Like, you know. Anyway, well, the cool thing about, the cool thing about the second in my eyes album is that it's not it's not fake Gorilla Biscuits. It's not fake Youth of Today. Like, like it's it's not completely created in the mold of another band that already existed. It's turning pointy. It's turning point ish without sounding like what became by the mid 2000s what people call amazing core you know like ultra corny melodic hardcore yeah. like 
it's not corny. It's not that level of like what, what that kind of thing became. So it's, it's one of the few like late, well, I guess it's not late, late nineties, but you know, 95 to 2009. Okay. So 95 to 2000, like in that chunk of time, it's one of the only youth crew records I still listen to on a regular basis. And I believe me, I bought every single youth crew record that came out between 1995 and 2000, every one of them. Yeah. So that's, that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot, right? Yeah, we need to do a whole episode on that shit because I'd love to go into it. You know, we've yeah. talked Rancor a little bit, but I'd love to talk yeah. Rancor and Rain on the Parade and Follow Through and all these bands. Atari, Atari, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why I added. That's why I picked him. That's why I picked this song just so we give us an excuse to talk about that shit. Well, also the thing is with this, you know, when you say a band is matured or whatever, usually sometimes that's kind of a knock or could be a knock. This is them maturing and really figuring out who they are and sounding awesome without like pulling, like you say, pure influence from here or here or here. They're just in my eyes and they're great. Yeah, they're doing basically doing the same thing, just better. They just got better at it. Yeah. Chris, you were going to say something and then let's wrap on this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is true. This might be just like a hardcore urban legend, but something that I thought was interesting that I heard is that this record, nothing to hide. It's got kind of like a a unique sound. Um, and, and allegedly the, the, the reason it sounds a little bit unique is, um, what I heard is they went in, they tracked all these songs and, uh, then listened to it. I don't know if maybe they just tracked the drums and listened to it and, said ah this is all too slow and uh they sped it up uh like in the studio like on the on the reels or you know in the in the computer like sped it up and so um it affected the tone a little bit uh but interestingly like it was it was such a well-written record had a unique sound that like people would go to to McTurney and say, Hey, you know, we want our band to sound like this. And, and just kind of interesting that the sound was allegedly a byproduct of, uh, you know, a studio trick. Wow. I didn't know. I never heard that. I, I, I mean, I can ask Anthony. I talk to him a lot. I can, I could just be like, is that true? You need to tell me. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe totally <laughs> BS, but something I had heard. All right. All right. My number seven and let's keep it short because we're almost at three hours. Um, shout out to all the diehards that are still with us. <laughs> Respect. Yeah, well, Randy. Well, Zach, before you get to this, just know that you better power up that battery because Ben still has to do his almost baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yep. Ben's got to shout out to every bass player of every Rev band that he likes. <laughs> Um, all right, number seven, Zach. We already talked about Craig Ahead. All right, I got to decide between a Judge song and a side-by-side song, and good God. So I'd either go side-by-side, The Time Is Now, or Judge New York Crew. Technically, that was on Schism. Got re-released on Rev. So I'm going to go... Oh, but New York Crew is like one of the greatest hardcore songs of all time. 
it's got it all. It's like the ultimate mid tempo banger, and then it's got like that bridge in it, like the da 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 da, and then goes fast, and then comes back to a breakdown with like the ultimate sing along, and it's like I love when singers like get nostalgic in like songs when they're still super young, you know, like, <laughs> like how, how old is he? And he's like, in remembrance of old New York. It's like, dude, you're like 17, probably, you know, 21, 21. He's like, he's like 21, 21, 22. Okay. Still. That's so fucking sick. I love that because yeah, but he's talking about when he's, let me finish. Feet. Let me finish. <laughs> it's like, so it's just like when you're that nostalgic, when you're that young, because everything, when you're young feels so important. And like you're thinking about the big picture of all this stuff. Like, I don't know. I I love sure. the nostalgia when you're in the moment. You know, and we talked about that a little bit, like on the instead stuff, like about that song. Like, I don't know, I just love nostalgia in songs. Um But it wasn't on Rev until later. So I'm gonna go side by side, the time is now. Um He did it again. Hey, I yeah. just wanted to talk about some stuff, but I chose I chose. Um, <laughs> the Time Is Now is probably my favorite side-by-side song, although Backfire is pretty fucking perfect. But uh, uh, Jules' voice on this is so good. And then just like to go into that long, like, you almost don't want to call it a breakdown because, like, you want to sing along more than you want to mosh. And it's just like those big, like the, the time is now. Like that riff is so catchy. The lyrics are so catchy. This is perfect hardcore, you know, like 10 out of 10. God, I got to choose this. Um, but New York crew is so fucking good, but I'm going side by side. The time is now. And, uh, yeah. Anything else you guys want to say before we wrap on this? Um, if anyone's still listening, then uh, we'll post the lists. And uh, if if Daniel remembers, right, <laughs> we forgot to do it one no, time. No, we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. Uh, give me a heads up when we're going to post the episode. I will. Yeah, and we'll post the list. You guys can vote, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, I don't know. Bedge, a lot of people love that shit. I know you're you're trying to be cute there, and like choose some stuff that you want to like have people look at but a lot of people ride for that stuff um so who knows yeah, he's going for the colts yeah who knows who's going to take it you know like some people are so big on that stuff like they might they might sign up and have five instagram accounts and vote five times who knows but uh, uh we'll see uh anything else you want to say I'm before doing, we wrap this up edge go ahead i'm doing a final count of uh like a little quick statistics of of the songs we picked uh 16 of the songs are from the eighties. 11 are from the nineties and one is from the two thousands. That's the in my eyes song. And that's that nothing from the tens is, does that add up? Was <laughs> we're talking hardcore, yes, it does. man. That adds up the point. All right. You're talking to a guy that earlier said, uh, we're not in this alone was re-released 15 years later. And it was like seven years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've been playing guitar for how many years? Uh, Daniel, you have anything else to say before we go? I mean, I'm just jealous that that song is on your list and not on mine. I should have done, I should have madballed you like you did with the madball pick and just done everything side by side ever recorded. Um, 
The one thing I will say, the thing that really hurts that's not on my list because I went backfire, but Living a Lie is the mm. second best non-minor threat straight-edge song of all time. Um, you ain't. You know, just, oh, God. And then, for one word alone, Alex! Like, hell yeah. Fuck. R.I.P. Alex Brown. The the first um, band I was the first band I was ever in in high school. Our guitarist was named Lewis, and there was a guitar break, and I went Lewis like just because of that song. Respect. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, the I'm not going to list a million songs that could have been on my list. I'm just going to say "Living a Lie" should have been on my list as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask one. First? I wanted as one really bad. No more questions, Bedge. You had your piece. Let's go to Chris. Yeah. <laughs> This Chris's final word or final words? Uh, yeah, two two kind of alternates I had. Uh, Filter the Infection by Statue. Love that song. Um, and then this is uh, vinyl only, but Siv et tu Brute. Um, I only bring that up because I always maintain that you got rid of all the pop songs. Like, I love this that record, Set Your Goals, Start to Finish, but you got rid of all the pop songs on it and put out a EP that was only the hardcore songs might be one of the best EPs in hardcore history. Yeah, agree. agree. You got to make a little playlist of that so I can listen to it like that. And then uh, I, I would be interested because uh, um, that'd be cool. All right, everyone. Ben, uh, thanks so much. Ben, for- that song was No Thanks is the first. You knew what I was going to ask. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, thanks everyone for listening <laughs> to the pod. All right, bye-bye.